Is there God, a kitty? God knows how many kittens he's got. Yeah, there's, a kitty, that, uh... there's a kitty over a dude's shoulder. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and the problem was... <laughs> the problem is that all of the settings on my computer are right, but Google Hangouts has different settings. Wow. <laughs> I have never gone into these... You can hear us now? Yes, I... I the I didn't hear what you guys. I assume the timing must have been perfect for. It was I great. Said. It was really. Good. It was, <laughs> I think the last thing, the, literally, I think the first thing that I heard was Derek saying "dude" or something like that. Uh, that was the first word, and then I said, Seven. "That's the problem," and everyone started laughing. Seven. That is where. That is That's where you start the episode. Yeah, yes. Yeah. That that is that is where you lay down a marker. Yep. <laughs> Noted. I I'm, yes. I feel like I do and don't want to know what I just responded to. Oh, I don't think it was. It was just the tone. It was the intonation of how you said it. I don't think it was oh. like apropos to what was just said. Right yeah, it, it yeah. was yeah. a real eureka moment. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. It was very effusive. Well, the oh my god! Since since we're in an audio medium, we should probably clarify to the audience that Derek's being very literal when he says it was a real eureka moment because I did just get out of the bathtub and I am fully nude when I yelled that. <laughs> so many ways you could have taken that joke. <laughs> I'm there was part of me that thought you were going to go uh, go the Eureka's Castle route, but uh, instead you went with a more a more classical Archimedes joke befitting your liberal arts pedigree. <laughs> I feel like I feel like a Eureka's Castle moment would be very difficult. Uh, like joke would be very difficult to explain. Yeah, I don't have any real concept of what the place of Eureka's Castle in the current internet discourse is. But also, like, There's I don't remember. I looked anything. the other day. I don't remember anything about Eureka's Castle. Like, I remember that it There's existed. A and there was a There's a dragon. Like, there was, a dragon. There was okay. Eureka, who had like a wizard or something. Yeah, she she and there was, was like a wizard. She had a there was like a giant who wound up the castle, and there was like a that. dude who like he sold crap and there like was twins, a janitor. Twins named Bog and Quagmire. Oh, I think uh, Patrick just I misspoke. Like he meant uh, he meant who sell crack. Uh, yeah. <laughs> For anyone out yeah. there that's not familiar with Eureka's Castle. Yes. <sighs> oh, my phone uh, yeah. is still on airplane mode after Stephen Tobolowsky. This is this is great podcast material. Mid millennials vaguely recall <laughs> TV. <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly, that's uh, I feel like SWAT the, cats. Po- remember with SWAT cats where they had a jet and it went the speed of heat. <laughs> well, uh, they were the they were the radical squadron. I was, they were the radical squadron. They, they were Swat, not my Swat, preferred is that a, is that a spin-off cat of related a cartoon action Samurai series. Pizza cats? Samurai Pizza Cats was the the real deal. No, no, I don't. That was the spicy I, meatball. I just started getting texts. For, I just took my phone off of uh, airplane mode mm-hmm. after it's a lot going to me. the event. It's mostly me. I just got <laughs> several texts, like six at once. From 4:55 p.m. Oh yeah, it's me. Okay, it's you. It I is. think I texted back. You did, but it was mostly me. Yeah, that's fine. You got to react to this shitty, shitty movie. Yep. Shitty, time. shitty, shitty, bang, bang. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With I've never actually seen shitty, shitty, bang, bang. Have I? I was, I was going to try it's, to make a reference to who oh. I have no idea who it was. Here's the thing: I apparently have seen the movie like half a dozen, like dozens of times. It was one of the movies my mother put on. For me to watch, I have no memory of it whatsoever. I know I watched it, but I don't uh, remember I have, anything about it. I have a lot of movies like that uh, from when I was a kid too. 
But also, I feel like I like I didn't watch like I feel like a lot of people grew up like they had like three Disney tapes and they like watched that endlessly. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's yeah. any like Disney cartoon movies that I watched obsessively as a child. So like mm. I watched Aladdin, but like I don't know Aladdin the way that people a lot of people our age know Aladdin Did or the Lion King. Or the You're different, version. and you should feel bad. Did you play through the Genesis <laughs> version of Aladdin more than you watched Aladdin? Oh, absolutely. That's a by a, like and by like. Several orders of magnitude. I have spent more time with the Aladdin from the Genesis video game much... than Aladdin. Uh, can, film. can you make uh, that estimate for the Lion King as well? Oh, ah, uh, well, I haven't spent as much time with the Lion King. Uh, what's what's so it you who I couldn't get through a level when you were a child? Oh my I god, I couldn't. I oh oh, there's a, there's a there is a part in uh, Aladdin like. No, like the lava oh, level. Was it the like, Aladdin on... game? I thought it was the Lion King game that you got through in college with with a couple other people for the first time in your life. Uh that might be true also. But like Aladdin for a long time, there's like one jump in particular that like I just could not figure out as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I I, pro- I haven't beaten Aladdin that many times, but I probably spent, you know, those early Disney games weren't exactly fifty well fifty QA'd. hours over my life playing that game. <laughs> you guys should watch oh. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Uh, okay. Yeah, I've get, never pit, seen pitch. it. Get, give, yeah. me, give me the, the so, elevator pitch. What was the log one? The child, the log there's one. a guy who steals children. First, yes, there is the guy who steals children, uh, which seems to be the main thing most people remember of this film. But uh, it was, I think it was produced by um, Albert <laughs> Broccoli of James Bond. Probably Broccoli? It was written yeah. by Ian Fleming. Yeah, I mean, he wrote the, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Shit. The book. You didn't know yeah. that? And Roald Dahl wrote the screenplay. Yeah, and, and continuing the James Bond connections, the what you the know the evil, the evil Baron is portrayed by Gareth Froba, uh, Goldfinger. <laughs> um, Dick Van Dyke is in it. Playing uh, James Bond? <laughs> playing a oh character my. closer to James Bond than you would expect. Correct. Correct. Potts. Now I'm trying um, to imagine Dick Van Dyke with his Cockney accent from uh, Mary Poppins playing James <laughs> Bond. Yes, exactly. It's it's and it's also like just a Wait really a interesting like cultural moment. It's one of these like totally overproduced like Phil old Collins Hollywood style mm-hmm. like roadshow musicals, but in 1968. Um, so 17-year-old Phil Collins is in it. What? Whoa. Yes. The Phil Collins? Yes, he's like a he's no, like a background child. Phil, 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 Phil Collins. Yeah. Phil Collins is Patrick is so excited about Phil his Collins. old neighbor Phil Collins. <laughs> Phil Collins is credited as Bulgarian child. Yeah, that's the name. That's the name of the country they go to, Bulgaria. He, he's the Bulgarian that fuck. <laughs> and and Desmond Llewellyn is in it. And I himself. know the name, but so I don't know who that is. Again, you said Desmond Llewellyn as himself just now, didn't and you? Desmond Llewellyn as himself. Benny Hill's in it. Not as himself, Desmond Llewellyn, Llewellyn M himself. Oh, okay. Wait, oh, I sorry, not was Q. 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 Was it? Q. Yeah, Q? Yeah. Yeah, Q. Q. Oh. Thank you, because I did. I recognized the name, but did not know who that was. Now, that's the, the late, great Q. Yep. All right. The one true I mean, Q. We've... Well, John Cleese I'm sure was, we... was also. Oh, and Benny Hill's in it. He's like, uh, he's he's like the toy maker that helps them. Yeah, sure. I'm remembering this now. Actually, this is very strange. 
Nope. Oh, and, never saw and it. There, it's it's like the 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 two uh, the like evil uh, Baron and Baroness in the film have like oddly sexual scenes for a children's film. Mm-hmm. One of which is played by Gert Froba. You said <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, sounds riveting. I can't wait to have kids <laughs> so I can show it to them. Why uh, wait? Just no. show it to children on the street. <laughs> hey, kid, you want to see Gert Froba and some obscure actress get rowdy with each other? Ladies and gentlemen, I think we have a plot for Chitty Chitty Bang Bang 3. It's Stefan stealing children by showing them Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Hey, kid, you want to watch Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Is is there already a Chitty Chitty Bang Bang 2? I mean, let, let's Chittier, just Chittier Chittier Bang Bang. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Too chitty, too bang. That's it. I, don't know, I think it should I be was, too chitty, too ch- chitty. I, think I, I believe it, the, the it, Simpsons joke about the fabtrabulous contrap no, the contrabulous fabtraption of Professor Horatio Upnagel is based <laughs> at least in part on chitty, chitty bang. Yes. So the, oh. the sequel will be too chitty, too bang, but the prequel will just be chitty bang. <laughs> yes. Chitty bang. Uh, and and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang Four is just that monkey paying. Pam Greer is Chitty Bang. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch it. Too Chitty, too Bang. Mm-hmm. Uh, have have I ever pitched adaptation okay. two on the podcast? Um, no. no, but we've got well, an unlimited amounts of time. <laughs> Go for it. Are, well, let me let me ask you this, Patrick. I feel like you're probably the one who's gonna who's gonna have a specific answer for this. What what are the the legal ramifications of making a pitch on a public podcast? Do, do, does the person who pitches that own that, or can anyone take that? You cannot copyright an idea. You can only copyright an execution. However, copyright oh. ha- occurs the nanosecond that you actually make it. However, okay. for for legal purposes, when people talk about copywriting something, what they're actually talking about is registering the copyright. Yeah. You already but, have the copyright just by virtue of doing it. So if you were uh, to yeah. speak this, you would not actually have copyright on it because you are not creating anything. Unless, unless he acts it out. And that's clearly an act of creation. Oh, yeah. Ooh, also, that's interesting. Also, Patrick, uh, do you have an elephant on your shelf behind you? A what? Is, is that an elephant? What is that thing right like right behind you? Uh, like atop the brown box. Is that a Dumbo? Dumbo? Yeah, it looks like a Dumbo. That's a Dumbo. It was a Dumbo. Yep. Yes! I won him at Disneyland. <laughs> there you go. You won him. Yeah. What did you win yeah. him in? What California. Did you darts at balloons? Some California adventure a- thing. I don't remember what. Oh, I thought it was going to be one of those water games at the carnival where you spray the water. I think like it actually the- was. Yes! He, that's jam- what, those he are- jammed with the crows, and then they I feel like the that water there. game is, has some of the best <laughs> odds in the uh, I, I did, in and then I carnival game. super racist. Okay, so, Dooge, since we do have a film to talk about, give us your pitch for Adaptation 2, and then we can okay. talk about the film that would have probably but, but not while been you're as doing good as Adaptation it, all right. 2. While you're doing uh, it, draw something so that it can be copyright. Copyright. Okay. Um, copywritten? <laughs> nope. Copyright. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so several years ago, and I know, uh, I've, I've actually pitched this on our group text at some point, but several years ago, we, I ran across the, uh, the news story that there was a company who was aggregating, uh, uncorrelated data, just aggregates facts and statistics and looking for statistically significant correlations. And they found a statistically this. significant, but, uh, obviously not causally related fact that, uh, there was a, 
a significant correlation between the number of Nicolas Cage movies in a year and the number of people who drown, who drown, obviously to death, uh, in swimming pools. And I wanted to write a film where Nicolas Cage runs across this fact himself and becomes unhealthily concerned with finding the connection between these two things. And to do this, he starts watching his movies, uh, looking for any kind of like clue uh, as to why people would have drowned during that year. Uh, and, and any like connection between the, the specifics of that person drowning and the specifics of his films. And as he does this, he begins to realize that he's having more and more trouble remembering what of his memories are things that happened in his own life, things that happened while he was filming a movie, or things that happened to the characters that he is portraying within the movie that he filmed. And the only way that he can figure this out is to watch the movie again and rule out the things that happened to the characters, figure out which things are associated, so they're the ones that were filmed, that, or that happened to him while he was filming, and the things that do not occur in any relationship to a movie, and so they're the things that happened to him in real life. And, but as he watches the films more and more, he becomes... The, he realizes that the memories that are strongest are the things that happen to other people because they're the ones that he's actually reliving that, or, you know, that happened to the fictional characters. And uh, he, so he's watching the movies over and over again in like a, an increasing spiral where he's becoming other people more and more uh, progressively and like less stably. And the, the, uh, the film ends when he drowns in the swimming pool in which his character drowned in leaving Las Vegas, for which he got his Oscar, and he is holding his Oscar as he drowns. And then the final shot of the final shot is there is a flash of, of this, the scene of him drowned in the pool, uh, holding the Oscar. There, and then it's the same scene again. It's like a, a, just a cut to, uh, but this time he has no Oscar. Mm. Adaptation so, two. <laughs> so in practice, this two adaptation. Per, it, yeah, t t yeah, adaptation. Um, <laughs> too shun to adapt. So in practice, the film could very well be first five minutes. Nicholas Cage finds spurious facts on the internet. The then rest is a clip two, show. Yeah, two hours <laughs> of Nick Cage in his home watching his own films, clip show style, and then last five minutes he goes outside and drowns himself like James Whale. And the uh, the the th the thing that really got me about like this idea that, as I recall, came together as I was texting you guys like probably four years ago. Uh, I think it's longer than that. I feel like you've had this idea for like you've been close to a decade now. No, because I I had it when I was at Hillary's apartment, and she only lived in that apartment for one year, and or, it was around four years ago. I'm going to suggest uh, that you've had this idea longer than that, but you don't remember it because yeah, you, you need to go back it. and watch well, your old films. Uh, I actually I, have I a very that serious this... question that I need to ask, though. Okay. So the majority of this movie is Nick Cage finding some weird, crazy conspiracy theory in his head, and then spending the entire movie obsessively watching his own movies. To, yes, to, it is a documentary. Really... Okay, yeah, that was what I was asking. It's like, yes. is this like, going to be like a fictional, or are we going to like embed cameras in Nick Cage's home? Well, the idea is that it's because I, I assume that you have seen adaptation where 
you know, it's a movie about Charlie Kaufman writing this movie, but played by Nicolas Cage as well as playing another version of Nicolas Cage. So thematically, it is completely woven into. Yes, that's Uh, a... (laughs) That is perfect. The last shot is actually Charlie Kaufman drowned in the swimming pool. Clutching the Oscar Oscar. that he won for Eternal Sunshine. Oh my God! It's perfect. But like, think about this. Think about the choices that Nicolas Cage makes. And like his his actual personality, I feel like it blends perfectly to his real life, as well like as our culture of like meta appre- appreciation of meta works. I feel like, like this would blends, be his the wrestler. It or, blends uh, perfectly with the fact that Nick Cage will do any film for a paycheck. Well, I, I see. I don't believe that that's actually true. I think he has very specific like. That's like, no. I actually confirm that's completely true. He's he's got serious money issues. Well, I know yeah, that, but it doesn't mean he, he literally he doesn't do literally every script. He still than, makes choices about which scripts he chooses. Rather, he just to do a lot of movies well, because I'm just going to say you got to get behind me in my national uh, treasure three Talon Ugbar Orbis Tertius pitch. Uh, so Fantastic Four. <laughs> yeah, we should we should talk about. R- I was rather, actually just going to weave it into okay, Nick, weave. Nick Bester's uh, clone or Ugbar. Uh, uh, Orbis Tertius. Oh, that I'm saying that's Ukbar? what I was gonna. Clone Ukbar. Uh, Orbis Tertius. That's how I was pronounced. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I love that. Pretty well. It'll look great, great on the poster. Yeah. <laughs> the Borges uh, story. Yeah. Yes. Which which Bester lived a version of. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. In conversation with me. That's right. Uh, but uh, when I discovered while re- rereading for probably the third or fourth time my copy of uh, as I recall. Piccione's, that, that was, there was a story in there that had not been there before. No, what what happened was that I was talking to you about this idea, and you did not recollect the story that I was describing, and you went back and checked the book and found a story that you had never heard, that you had never read before, and had somehow missed it the first three times you'd read the book. Yes. I think okay. Dooge's <laughs> description of reality probably more more matches what actually happened, but. In any event, let's talk Which about. I don't the think fan- we'll ever say again that Juge's uh, description of something is more accurate. It's true. Hey, that is. Hey, that's not fair. Aww. I have a very good memory. <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk about Fantastic Four. Let's see what you can remember uh, from Fantastic Four. <laughs> uh, I've got notes open. Shit. So this is the fourth Fantastic Four film that we have seen. Uh, and guys, I, I have to be honest. I was more excited to watch this film than any film we've watched in a while. Because yeah, and that really set it up for a yeah. for disappointment, in my opinion. It kind of did. It kind of. I did. feel. I, I feel, feel like, like this movie had like a really like legendarily bad uh, reputation. And I realize it's only like three years old, but like <laughs> even in that short amount of time, people are like, "Oh my god, it's the worst superhero movie ever made." And like, it's it's not. It's just it's not a good one. Well, so much of the outsized legend too is about you know the sort of aftermath of the film and Josh yeah, Trank's like disowning of it. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. Subsequent decline in his career. Yeah. Well, it's it's there, there's a lot of drama that surrounds this movie and the making of this movie that I definitely yeah. think helped add to its legend. Mm-hmm. But the, yeah, the, my... the fact is that it's not. I I feel like we have as a culture collectively all agreed to forget the mid-2000s Fantastic Four films ever happened. And I, so people I have purged the rise of the Silver Surfer from their collective memory. And that, that set There is up. literally a single image from that movie that I remember. It's D- Dr. Doom on the Silver Surfer surfboard, like, flying, like, vertically, like, 
sideways through the air. That's literally the only part of that movie I remember. I don't know anything else that happened. You're one of the lucky ones. I will say this. When we watched Rise of the Silver Surfer, I felt actively, like, upset and angry, and I think a lot of us were, too. Like, I just remember us all being in really bad moods after that. This one, I don't feel... Yeah, I I don't feel like it was a bad... I'm not in a bad mood. Yeah, this one was just, you know, it was boring and poorly paced and badly yeah. done but like should so, we introduce ourselves I, oh yeah that thing we do yeah let's yeah let's go from digital left to digital right we've got uh daniel watson jones he is the moleman the moleman awesome. yep uh next up we've got uh derek long uh i didn't actually allocate these names beforehand so you could you can also be a moleman <laughs> yay yep um, next week we've got, uh, Nick Bester. Uh, Nick's the biggest moment. Yay! I'll be John, uh, Kretzenberg, or whatever his <laughs> name is. John Kretzenberg? Who is the name of the guy, uh, the guy from Cheers, who is, uh, who's in all the Pixar movies? John, John Kretzenberger? <laughs> right, he's, he's the mole man from, uh, The Incredibles. That's true. Yeah, he is beneath you, but nothing is beneath him. Yeah. Uh, Patrick, uh, you, uh, we got Patrick Regan here. Patrick, you can be, you can be George Went. Yes. Yep. Norm! Norm! Finally, yep. my one dream is achieved. Yep. Yeah. And... I'll be that guy from Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> his name is Major Durlin. Thank Nick, you. And you know that's his name. <laughs> I, I actually, I actually, is not. Yeah, I have a lot of useless Star Wars information. <laughs> what his character's name is, I don't remember. I like, I can picture him, young baby face John, whatever his name is, Gretzenberg. Is it is it is it, is it, is it is it Ratzenberger or Ratzinger? Which one was the Pope? It's Ratzenberg. Ratzinger, Ratzinger was the Pope. The Pope. Got it. No, 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 no. Okay. I'm, go- I'm sticking with Kratzenberg. And I'm Stephen Claypool, and my favorite uh, John Ratzenberger role was he played like a. Uh, Basically, like an air traffic controller in the original Superman. He was on screen for a few minutes, but that mustache, that mustache is eternal. It's true. Okay, so Fantastic Four. Um, as also, we were Cinema Excelsior. Yeah, this that's the name. That's the show. Uh, famously troubled production history. So this was uh, directed by Josh Trank, uh, previously of Chronicle fame. And this was another in that series of indie director makes moderately successful film is given franchise uh, formula. And then French, then uh, film is taken away partway through production by the studio who have discovered the kind of the actual film that is being made flipped out and, and decided that whatever imaginary version of the movie they were planning is not close enough, so they ruin the, the vision and turn it into a milquetoast studio So I, I really want to dig into this over the course of I the conversation. I would so much prefer a milquetoast studio thing. This is... Yeah, this, so like, this is, this, this, is, uh, this is a question that I want to frame up, okay? I fully believe the idea that Josh Trank's version of the film was not what we got, that it was taken away, that an enormous chunk was cut out. I believe all of that. I am not persuaded of the idea that it would have been a better film. I think 100% it would have been better. There is no chance that this film is better than the version that we would have gotten if they had let the man 
uh, finish and and do a final cut of the film. All because I'll say whatever is unified version of anything that we would have gotten would be better than. I'm not sure. It just this. would have been 45 minutes longer. I mean, I think it depends on. I think it depends. Like there were very well, extensive filming was not finished. I believe. Sorry, there yeah. were reshoots, but also there were like very extensive reshoots here. So like, I don't know like how much of this is like from Trank's original version and how much is new. No idea. I don't, I don't I, know if we'll ever be able to know that. I, precisely. I can give you a few data points. Um, as yeah. you guys know, I, I mean, think like, and also we've got shit like you know uh, Sue Storm's hair is all over the place, color wise, oh facial God. hairs all over. I the can place. tell you, for example, that's you could not... probably triangulate reshoot sort of stuff from. That. I can tell you that Toby Cabell. That's not Toby Cabell at the end of the movie. Yeah, that's a different uh, actor who's standing in. Yeah, so, they had... From Doom like, had a whole point? thing, and I know that they that they had to reshoot because they had to credit somebody else as being the body of Doom during those reshoots. Oh, wow. So I I can give you that data. So so everything everything once he comes back, well, once they find him on the no, planet, there's Toby a few. Cabell? Is that any of that Toby Cabell? Uh, the the stuff on Earth is Toby Cabell. It's not Toby Cabell once they get to Planet Zero. Mm. Okay, okay, sure, whatever. Not that it matters. Yeah, just it's just a data point. Yeah, um, you yeah, know, no, just, I, I remember reading that. Um, just, just, and just to kind of give everyone a little context, reshoots are super common. So it's yeah. not like when you hear something has a reshoot, that isn't necessarily a bad thing. They happen. No. Which when they, it's when you have extensive, large amounts of reshoots that things start. You should start getting concerned. Like reshoot, the existence of reshoots themselves does not mean anything. Lots and lots and lots and lots of reshoots. That's concerning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, reshoots are very common. It is standard operating procedure. Right. You just, just because they always assume you're going to miss something. We're human. Yeah. So we've watched three other Fantastic Four films so far, and I think it is worth doing a, a plot. Um, yeah. yeah. Did you? Yeah. Did I was going to say, say only one and a half. Only one and a half of which I remember. Yeah. Um. And so it's it's worthwhile, I think, to to do a quick recap of what actually oh, happens Jesus. in this film. Uh, and then I also, know you were going to recap every single one. I'm like, oh, God, what are you no, going to do? Yep. So we begin with Roger Corman. No. All uh, I know is that we had a nickname for the villain in the the original one that we should not say again. Yep. And we're not going to. So yeah, we're not going to recap all of the Fantastic Four. Uh, but I I think it is it is interesting to go through this and try to figure out to the extent possible where the cuts were made and what could have possibly filled in that space. Yes. So uh, we begin uh, with a uh, elementary school classroom being taught by Dan Castellaneta, <laughs> which <laughs> really threw me for a loop out of the gate. That I could not get over that every time his character was on screen. Yeah, which I think is only for two scenes, but is still yes, deeply, deeply distracting. Yes. And I, I will say, uh, to, even though it was only in two scenes, uh, Dan Castellaneta made as much of an impression on me as anyone in this film. <laughs> uh more. I would say certainly more than anybody in the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Uh, and we're introduced to young Reed Richards in this classroom. Uh, Reed is a nerd, we know, because uh, someone says, I believe, beam me up, Scotty, to him. And then yeah. he expresses <laughs> uh, a desire to be the first person to ever teleport. It's 2007, by the way, yeah. so we should like establish real, this. Yeah. Yep, Scotty is very, yeah. very understood cultural two, reference. Yeah. Two years before J.J. <laughs> Abrams' Star Trek reboot came out. After I feel like Enterprise there's a lot of- was canceled. Yeah, there's a lot of cultural references, cultural like points here that like don't don't gel, and that's certainly one of them. Yes. 
Um, so Reed meets uh, fellow class uh, fellow student Ben Grimm, uh, who comes from an abusive household, and the two of them together make a teleporter in Reed's garage. Um, the science behind the teleporter is fuzzy at best, but it clearly involves several Nintendo 64s in a rack, like servers. Uh, yeah. Again, an N64 <laughs> Yeah. I yeah. have in my notes that the N64s are the most extravagant part of that ring, given how expensive <laughs> used N64s have gotten. I, I just want to say that, of course, it would be the N64, known for its uh, processor that was so far ahead of its time. Oh, yeah. Even children... 10 years in the future are obsessed with its legendary capabilities. <laughs> uh, yep. Also, did, did any of you ever watch the, the Louis Anderson cartoon life with Louis? I think yeah, so. Yeah, actually. I don't remember so, anything about it, but yeah, I did watch it. It was there, predicated on the, the idea of there being a child that looked exactly like Louis Anderson. <laughs> so his, uh, he has a bully in the show who's always bullying him. Mm-hmm. And in one episode, you see, you see the bully at home. And his his he's leaning out the window to yell at Louis, uh, and then his mother yells. The bully's mother yells at the bully. How many times have I told you never stick your head out the window? Someone might cut it off. <laughs> and <laughs> that scene was echoing in my mind the whole time. Is he Ben Grimm at home? <laughs> Fun. All right, wait. Okay, wait. I just have to ask. All right, so when I was a kid, my parents would, uh, like, when I was in the car, like, to get me to not stick, like, limbs out the window, would say, don't stick your hand out the window too far, or it might come home in another car. Is this a thing that anybody else experienced? And that's no. why you always leave a note. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 I love it, though. I yeah. love it. I'm going to use that. Yeah. Anyway, so they uh, they have their bank of N64s. But uh, also this means that, like, as a four-year-old, I was, like, thinking about the, like, metaphysics of losing a limb and it going somewhere else. And, like, what would that mean for me as a human being? It sounds like you have the makings of, a, of an indie horror film here. Or yes. the makings of a junior super scientist like Reed Richards, who teleports yes. his car somewhere and gets rocks in return. Or, uh, when you yeah. say his car, What's... you mean his... Small toy car. Small toy car, yes. What's that line from Detroit Rock City? Uh, Don't they make horror movies that start this way? But they also make pornos that start this way. Uh, Yeah, you stick your your hand out the car and come home in another car. There is is no way that whatever that reference was going to be, I was going to know what that was. I don't remember that the movie Detroit Rock City well enough for that. It was in the trailers, I think, so it was it was uh well anyway, it doesn't doesn't matter. How many listeners, I wonder, are going to recognize lines from the trailer of Detroit Rock City? <laughs> Detroit Rock City is an underrated comedy, I think, similar to like Saving Silverman or uh I I'm not saying anything negative about it. I remember liking it when I saw it in like middle school or early high school, whenever it was that it came out. It's just not a movie that I have thought about in like 17 years. Didn't have a lot of cultural staying power, I think. The movie that came out in like 2000 (laughs) about Kiss? Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, there there are plenty of of comedies that are of the same like caliber that happen to get 
a like two month run on Comedy Central back oh, in like yeah. the summer sometime. True. So like everyone oh, yeah. has seen that movie at least once. It's why yeah. I've seen Minute Work. Uh, yeah, or I've uh, never even heard of that. So what? So I married an axe murderer. I like there so I married an axe murderer. Oh, it's a great movie, but it's a movie that did terribly at the box office, mm-hmm. and owes a lot of its current like uh, back to school. To... Back to school yeah, back was one. That's a good one. I, I mean, living in living in the Bay Area, I still haven't been to Alcatraz, and I think that a big part of that is because I'm always disappointed Phil Hartman won't be my tour guide at Alcatraz. Um, <laughs> okay. It's all because of Andy Dick. How dare you, Andy Dick? So the uh, <laughs> Ben and Reed make their toy car disappear. Flash forward ten years or eight years. They seven flash forward. Years. They flash forward seven years, seven but years. the actors have aged twenty years. <laughs> yeah, time is going to get very fuzzy going forward, listeners. Yeah, yeah. I'm still unclear on what's we're, happening. We're now at a high school science fair. They where, are high school students, right? I'm they, they are high school that. students. Yeah, school where uh, yeah, now played by Miles Teller and Jamie Bell, uh, Reed and Ben. Miles Teller, most recently a college student, and is in a movie. Yep. Yeah, Jamie Bell. Jamie Bell, who is older than me. Yes. Yeah. Jamie Bell was Ten Ten, right? Yes. Okay. Um, uh, or Billy Kinten. Elliot. He was Billy Elliot. Yeah. Was I, always con- I always confuse he and Thomas Sangster. Um, he's also in that. He's also in the Peter Jackson King Kong. Uh, he is. Oh yeah. He he was the really earnest kid on the ship. He's actually my favorite character in that movie. He was really earnest. Yes. More than the third Tyrannosaurus that shows up for the three Tyrannosaurus That was fight. my favorite character in that movie. Oh, you get really re- used to two Tyrannosauruses, but that third one comes out of nowhere. He just <laughs> recently wrapped a run uh, being uh, one of George Washington's spies. Oh. oh, that's right. He is on the poster. That, on turn. that T-Rex? Yeah, the, t- yeah, the T-Rex. <laughs> <laughs> Tiny little arms. Yeah, the British never saw him coming. He's like the Predator. Oh, um, and I forgot. And also, fun fact, everyone, he's married to uh, Kate Mara. The, the T-Rex? No, Jamie <laughs> Bell. Jamie Bell, Jamie Bell and Kate Mara are married. So, huh. How did they meet? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no idea. <laughs> uh, although, although, actually, that... <laughs> that raised, no, actually, no. I was going to say, like, do they actually have any scenes together? I think that science fair is the only scene the two actors have together because everything post the very accident end. is going to be the CGI. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Uh, everything like, post a... accident is post production? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. So, we are, um, yeah, so we're at the high school science fair. Uh, they do the same experiment, but it blows the backboard out of a basketball hoop. Uh, Dan Castellaneta, their elementary school teacher, still there, still judging them. And they, <laughs> For some reason. <laughs> unaged. Gracefully makes his exit from the film. Uh, wait, and you, as if to say, wait, may, I just remembered, he, I get paid way more than all of you just to do Homer. Can can I, uh, can I posit a theory Please. that uh, that teacher is the most successful villain in any Fantastic Four film? <laughs> <laughs> I would also, I would also like to point out that it's not just a high school science fair. It's clearly like a multiple multiple level science fair because they borrow the plane from clearly an elementary school child. Yeah. Maybe it is still an elementary school science fair, and they just went back. It's like the the he's like 
trying to compete at a lower lower it's level. Remedial science. It's the, it's it's the only I, explanation. I, he, I would, he's kind of like a um, Matthew McConaughey's character in uh, Dazed and Confused. Dazed and Confused. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, Cheers. I I'm I don't think it's fair to say that Reed borrowed that plane. That's correct. I think he he's just stole that stole and ruined plane. it. Yep. And, and right returned the garbage version. And, yeah, and then wanna, the kid called him a dick. So so Hillary and I had a uh, had a theory as or had a an idea for what this podcast should be, and nothing but our descriptions of what a better version of each scene would have been. And All my right, better version of this fair. is a a scene where he steals that plane and then returns it, and then we see that that child's experiment was even more groundbreaking than Reed's. <laughs> but because he is never allowed to finish it or never able to, uh, Reggie Kathy's character never sees it, and so that <laughs> child goes on to obscurity and drug addiction. Yeah. Or here's a version of that. He borrows it from his local, from the sci- person science fair next to him, one Victor Von Doom, yeah. and that explains why v- Doom has like such a ha- hate on for Reed. I mean, if I was going to redo this, I would make it not a science fair because yes. a science fair is a dumb person's idea of how science is. Like, <laughs> I'd, make it a, I'd make it a poetry jam. No, like I would. I would it's have an open it be mic. like like some sort of like a pitch contest where this. like they're. Like, you know, promising youth are, like, trying to pitch something to, I don't know, a reality show. It's or a to shark, the backstory. They're all Shark Tank. They go on like Shark that. Tank. I am trying to, I'm trying to think of, like, what was the narrative requirement to have this be, like, for, you know, even keep the science fair. But why a high school science fair? Why not just yeah. make it, like, they a college, got, like, Because this is Ultimate Fantastic Four. I mean, Isn't like, this, the, I guess... Isn't this? Yeah, why the, are they in high school? In the whole, this is this Ultimate is Fantastic Four. This is, this is the Ultimate Universe. Right. Like, that's so what the whole plot is, right? They were much younger in that. That is true. No, um, everything about this, uh, like yeah, the yeah. way that they get their powers, yeah. the way that Von Doom gets left in the other dimension. Yeah. This is all just the Ultimate Fantastic Four story. Except this is not motivation. Like, I, th- this is one of the things that always bugs me about comic book movies. You know, it com- coming from sort oh, of the outside. It's getting real like, 47 episodes <laughs> into the podcast. Like, like, uh, oh, this is the way that, you know, it was in this particular series of the comics. I don't care. Like, if, if it doesn't make sense within the context of the film, like, clearly I, the comics motivated this in some way that made we're talking about two different subjects which is character motivation and filmmaker motivation so if i think there's two character motivation is very murky throughout this film i think we could we could agree we will have other examples of that later i I think it, it ultimately boils down to this um what whatever the decision was comics film to set it at a high school science fair there may or may not have been motivation behind that. And part of the idea behind Ultimate Fantastic Four was capturing these characters at a younger age and watching them go through formative experience, which, which is motivated. The mm-hmm. problem is Miles Teller and Jamie Bell are clearly in their late 20s <laughs> or early 30s. They're 30 years old! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, exactly like, better when we meet the rest of the Fantastic Four, who are also clearly in their mid to late 20s <laughs> yeah. slash early 30s. Yeah, I just like, wanted to clarify that I was uh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Bester. Uh, I was I was just answering Derek's question. Why is this a high school science fair? You the, weren't the, justifying it. it. You were just answering. No, I was yeah. just explaining. That's why it is a high school yeah. science fair. But I think right, that yeah. Derek's equal. That an equally good question is why is 
literally anything in this film because no one in this movie acts well, no character in this film acts in the way that a real human being would act and none oh, of that absolutely. jumped at me quite as hard as the fact that reggie Cathy is wandering around this high school science fair well i think that high school science fairs are used in films for a particular reason and bester it, it seemed like i think what you said was that uh this is what a, a dumb person's idea of science is but mm -hmm. i think that mm -hmm. the the idea of the science fair in a film is that it is a, a place where you might run across a diamond in the rough idea. And that's where you're going to find scientists, not necessarily science is people who have an innovative question that they, that they want to ask. And then they have done some version of whatever rudimentary science they have learned in their classes. Yeah, that's what Reggie Cathy uh, finds. Science is understandable but, only but, in as much as characters are. Yeah, but also, like, again, it, it feels like a very old-fashioned idea of, like, how this would, like, like, what if they had done a Kickstarter? Like, that would be, like, a, I think that would be a reasonable way to do it. Like, they have, like, this ridiculous, like, pie-in-the-sky idea. Let me, they, let like, me stop, they because get, I actually love this notes. idea so much. I think <laughs> they, they actually like, they, really they, cool. They get, to leave the podcast so right now and steal it. Yeah. They get, like, $10 in funding, and, like, it, they don't make, <laughs> and, and they're, like, devastated, but then, then like, right when they're, like, packing up all their yeah. stuff, Reggie, Reggie Cathy shows like, up. And I like, saw boys? your Kickstarter. I contributed ten dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like, but like, yeah, like there, there could be like a thing where like people are debunking their uh, their demonstrations. Like this is clearly CGI. Or, like, I, or for the Kickstarter, somebody only contributes four dollars, and oh. and <laughs> Jamie sure. Bell looks looks at the amount, and and Miles Teller's like, <laughs> how, how much have we raised? How many dollars have we raised, Ben? Four. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It would be so much better. Because, again, the science fair is just a ridiculous, like, shorthand for science that is just, like, we've seen it a thousand times, and, like, it's just entirely paint by numbers. A Kickstarter is a legitimately, like, better, more modern way to do this. I, I want to I wanna offer an idea for what we should do at the end of the podcast. What's that? We All should right. do our pitches for what, how a studio should handle if, if we ran a studio and we owned the rights to make be... Fantastic Four films... All right. If we owned what Fox... What we would do... Disney, yes. actually. Uh, we were Disney. I well... Previ previously, you know... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What would we do? Anyway, let's, okay. let's, I, let's keep let's, going. Let's I, I'm saying we'll that. discuss that yes. at the end. And all right. Ask, I'm let's, asking let's, the question now so right. people can think about it. It's good, a good, right. good thought, dude. Good thought. Um, okay. So... Reggie Cathy shows up uh, without reason uh, with his daughter, Kate Mara... Uh, they are apparently prowling high school science fairs looking for breakthrough thinkers. And they, find one. Does. they find one and read. Among they, other things they're prowling things. for. Yeah. Uh, they also Chief. read a scholarship at the Baxter Foundation, which is a but research only read. Yeah. Only, only read. read. Yeah. Ben, only read. That is, that is that, fucking yeah. not so that kid with the airplane. Nope. Not <laughs> the kid with the airplane. Cold. Not Ben, who is at least presented as an equal partner by Reed. Reed gets in, he's Ben goes off to the junkyard. I think they specifically <laughs> describe him as an assistant. Yeah, That's but like, sorry, I'm, hang on. I need, I need to get this out of my system. Developing this. I have to imagine that he has some technical know-how at this point. Hang on, guys, I got this to get out of my system. I get anything. <laughs> this rant comes up every time we watch a Fantastic Four movie, and I, I'm going to do it again because I don't give a shit. This drives me crazy. Ben Grimm is not the stupid one. 
Like that has yeah. always been a thing Johnny that they Storm's do. Johnny Storm's the stupid one. Johnny Storm's usually <laughs> the stupid one. But not in this one. movie. <laughs> but but in Ben Grimm is not the stupid one. The reason because in at least in the original comics, he's a NASA goddamn test pilot. Yeah. You do not get to be a NASA test pilot if you're a moron. Yeah, and As I feel human. like yeah, but like in the should... academic world, I imagine or, then I imagine that that test pilots are the meatheads. I mean, yeah, yeah but they still well, have master's degrees in engineering most of the time. Well, meat this, Bundy brain. But again, we're, esta- we're establishing <laughs> that Ben Grimm and Reed Richards have spent the last seven years dedicated to this project. Why? Why do? Why is he still dumb? Why is he not like buckled yeah. down? Why don't we sh- show us that he's now bookish? Show us that he's as involved in this. That he's he's a, maybe he's the like the guy who puts the idea together, but reads like the genius who has the uh, like the idea, or, and Ben's the genius who is able to put it together in the real or, world. Or bare minimum, well, just from could. Kathy's point of view. Okay, so you both did it. All right, I'm not taking risks. Both of you, come with me. And that's, that's you. Know, yeah, this, what if what if Reed is just a, a vainglorious uh, astronaut taking credit for everything? Because this movie is weirdly anti-astronaut. Yeah, we're gonna get to that because that drives me crazy too. And it's a it's a real structural. This movie problem. takes place in the Upright Citizens Brigade universe. <laughs> it's a real structural problem in the film because so much of the last act asks us to pay off on a non-existent investment in Reed and Ben's friendship. Mm. Um, yeah. Like you, you, you just don't see that. Like you, yeah. you do not see the stakes. We, we, of we lose Ben friendship. for about half an hour. Yeah, yeah. and, and like, and, and 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 we'll get to that when we get back to it. But like the way that they bring him in is super clumsy. Like there's mm-hmm. there are so many opportunities to bring him in. The most obvious which of just let him have this scholarship to the school too. Even yeah. if he is the dumb guy, like yeah, that could be you, you that could be some interesting. That could be some yeah. interesting drama. He's he's out of his element. He feels insecure. He's like, I'm. What? I don't belong here. I don't belong yeah. here. Yeah. Why? They but only brought me along because you're my friend. Yeah, and you you can yeah. you can create adversity in that. You can create Reed potentially trying to to do this thing and people not believing in him and Ben believing in him and then when Ben is the one who is most hurt by what Reed does, that can pay off. Yeah, or, yeah, and yeah. that like fear of abandonment from Reed could then be motivated because like Reed like maybe we show that Reed is like making friends with other people here and Ben struggling to fit in sort of thing and up until the point where like ben like looks out the window and says well you're where you're supposed to be now i just assumed that they had let ben in as well i didn't well they're think both that it was going there they both are carrying suitcases i just assumed yeah. ben's carrying his suitcase yeah it was absolutely. really clumsily narrated yeah because i was like at, at first i was thinking oh they're, they're both going to be there but and then the conversation together like, why were yeah. you carrying a suitcase like what <laughs> so we at this point, we are at the Baxter Foundation. We have met uh, Dr. Franklin Storm, who is Reggie Cathy. Sue Storm is his daughter, Kate Mara. Um, we meet three more characters in short order. Uh, we meet uh, Harvey Allen, who is played by uh, the criminally underrated Tim Blake Nelson. Um, yeah. Uh, or the underrated criminal. The underrated criminal. underused. Because, because Henry Allen in the comic books is the real name of the Mole the Man. Hans the Mole Man himself. Um, yeah, so we, we have Tim Blake Nelson as kind of the government scientist who wants to use the research for shady it's, purposes. It is not he's at all the, clear, like, like out, right? who he, he is or what he represents. That's it's true. super he, confusing. He's like, he's Franklin's, like, corporate overlord, right? Like, yeah. I, that, that's my understanding. He's, like, the chairman of the, uh, the Baxter, Baxter I think. Something. Again, it's not very well explained. So we meet him. We meet, uh... The other genius scientist, uh, Victor Von Doom, 
who no one likes because he's edgy and a rebel and he sets servers on fire and he yeah. sits in the dark with his blinds drawn. Playing Assassin's Google Creed Glass. Syndicate, I, I happen to notice specifically. I mean, he's, he's just he's clear he's just abrasive. Like yeah. He, yeah. they don't need to do anything to explain why he's on. They don't need yeah. to mention that he set servers on fire. He's clearly yeah. he's clearly hard a dick. To get along with. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like there's no. Yeah, that's a good point. There's like the one piece of like character development like backstory we get for him is entirely unnecessary because he's so deeply unpleasant it actually just (laughs) muddles the waters because it makes you question why did he do that yeah right exactly like if he if he were and like the idea of like a deeply antisocial but genius scientist is like such an obvious trope that they could have just done that yeah but for some reason they decide to like they because we have to know he's the villain even though his name is victor von doom (laughs) Uh, not, they, not in the original shoot. They actually reshot that. He actually had a different name. It would have been Victor yes, Van Damme, right? Did, and then no one would have known he was the villain. <laughs> no one would have known. Uh, I'd also like to point out he's wearing like a Google Glassy kind of thing yep. when he's like sitting in the dark. <laughs> and he's played by Discount Adam Driver. Toby Cabell. Yeah. Toby Cabell. If you anagram, it's an anagram for... Um, he also, he, he also has a bit of a Sasha Baron Cohen thing going on, which oh, is yeah. mentioned at some point when I believe Johnny Storm calls him Borat at one point. <laughs> Fun fact, Toby Cabell was in the most recent King Kong movie. Oh. So we have two King Kongs. He was also in Warcraft. I think the only other movie I've seen with him in it. He was also, he's in a Black Mirror episode. Ben-Hur, yeah, Monster he was, Calls. Yeah, not, not, not the original Ben-Hur. Not the... No. Uh, he's he's Francis X. Bushman? <laughs> So, booby tackle? Uh, booby tackle. Is that an anagram? <laughs> I just I did that in my head. I'm not sure. I think uh, it's right. Booby tackle, maybe. You're missing an O. Um, I think you're also missing a C. Is there a C in his name? Uh, no, it's, it's a K. I wasn't actually trying to spell the word tackle. Booby tackle. Anyway. Isn't that a spoonerism? Uh, <laughs> so, so we have we have like literally the most least interesting version of Doctor Doom. Yeah. So he, oh my he's, God. he's 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 a dick. Um, he's kind of just a dick. And then we we meet our third important character, who is Johnny Storm, played by Michael B. Jordan, and we meet him. It, we meet him in a drag race scene that recalled uh, nothing less than Chris O'Donnell in the <laughs> Joel Schumacher Batman's. The entire and I felt terrible watching it, just thinking to myself, you know, I would rather be watching Chris O'Donnell street racing. Scenes. <laughs> I mean, my note, my note here is Johnny Storm's in a much more interesting Fast and the Furious film. Like, yeah. not a good Fast and the Furious film, but I'd rather be watching that. Yeah. And to go back to like what what I would pitch, that is my pitch. Fast just like the, what Fast is the, John, the, the, the the prequel to this where it's just Johnny Storm. That was street good. Can, can we also? They really missed the boat on that one. I can't take credit for that one. That was that was Cynthia last night when we were All watching. Right. I will like to point out that it takes 22 minutes to get to Michael B. Jordan, it, and I was so goddamn frustrated because he's literally the only reason well, to so, watch but this let's, movie. Let's, let's How take, many let's, people from The Wire are in this? Because there's at least Reggie two. Reggie Cathy, Michael B. Jordan. Um, and Castellaneta, obviously. <laughs> and Reggie Cathy and Kate Mara were both in House of Cards. That's correct. Yeah. Um, and can we and I realized... Re- I realized last night that when I was watching this that like I Reggie Kathy died uh, last year or the year before what? that. No, it was and, it was in January or February of this year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he, he died recently. 
But like I had misunderstood and thought that the guy who played Lester had died. So thankfully, Clark, Clark Peters, Peters is, is totally alive. fine. But rest totally yeah, fine. Reggie Don't worry. Unfortunately, Reggie Cathy has passed. So it's, Michael it's... Michael B. Jordan at this point, Michael B. Jordan had uh, two films come out in 2015. The first was Fantastic Four, and the second was Creed. Uh, oh, wow. One of those did somewhat did, better for his career. Wow. Did Fruitvale Station come out the year before that? Say again? Yes. Fr- uh, Fruitvale, Fruitvale Station, Station was the year before that? Yes. That is one of the most impressive career zigzags yeah. I think I've ever heard of. That, like, is, this, that is, I need to act <laughs> quick to pull my career out of the fire. There are, yeah, there are, there are people who would not make it out of, like, at, like, Came on the rise, then doing Fantastic Four. This is a movie that can crater a lot of careers. His, his in, next, for instance. his next two films after Fantastic Four were Creed and Black Panther. <laughs> Good God! <laughs> well, Michael B. Jordan, Michael B. Jordan has an incredible agent. <laughs> this is <laughs> he has the best goddamn representation in Hollywood. It's the only explanation. <laughs> yeah. That's... Can I, I do want to really quickly while we're talking about Michael B. Jordan, and this is true of all the characters, but I think it particularly was notable in, in these three. Um, I don't believe that any of these characters actually have relationships with each other, <laughs> but I particularly do not believe that, that um, Sue, the Storms are actually related because at no point do any of the Storms behave as though they are that's, family. That's not true. There is, one, there is one scene that I actually noted um, where... It, and, and it was, it, for my money, the most effective scene in the movie where I actually did buy it for one second. Which was, no, wait, wait. Between which two, which two stores? Between All three. Oh, for, I'm sorry. No, Stephen, no, I, no, no, I'm asking for Stefan. Because uh, I, I agree with you that Sue and uh, Sue and Johnny never yeah. gel. I think that there might be one or two scenes where Franklin Johnny gels. Yes, that's it. And it's specifically for me to jump ahead. It is the first scene where Johnny is like laying on the table on fire and Franklin is watching him. And he is clearly affected mm-hmm. by what it is. And that's, yeah, that, no, I that think is that's, entirely Reggie yes. Cathy doing some some good acting. Yes, yeah, I, I, I will. Yeah, and I would say I, I think the scene of like uh, Franklin like chewing him out after the uh, after the car accident, like it's very by the numbers, stern dad. Like it, it plays well enough, but like there's no real affect there. But yeah, that that that, that moment of him going like, "Oh my god, my son is my on son. fire." Yeah, my son he, is fucking on mm-hmm. fire. Yeah, he. he I, I never get the same vibe for. I, at no point do I believe that he is Sue Storm's father. Like that. That's the other thing is that they. they... Or that, or that Sue and Johnny are sisters. Like I think uh, they have like. I think there's two scenes where they talk to each other. Right. Like and and to be very clear, her uh, uh, listeners, we're not referring to the fact that Sue is adopted. Is the reason no. we won't do by that has nothing to do with the fact that there is no chemistry between any of the actors. <laughs> I mean, there's like, no chemistry not the problem. between anyone. Couldn't they both be adopted? I mean, he also refers to Reed as son. He refers to every male as son. I mean, they're not, yeah, literally, I mean, they're every... not literally his children. They're... Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean that's a good point. We, it is established that Sue is adopted. I don't think it's established whether or not Johnny is his biological son. Yeah. Do you feel like that's that's the script trying extra hard to sell the idea that these are kids, that these are teenagers mm. and not late 20-somethings? <laughs> no, wait, I'm still unclear. As, like, all right, so clearly... Yeah, wait, go Re- ahead. Dude. Reggie cast... Reggie Cathy's not supposed to be a teenager, is he? <laughs> <laughs> Tim Blake Nelson is weird. <laughs> but Tim, Tim Blake Nelson looks the so only youthful. one who's playing his actual age. Yeah, 
I it it just occurred to a me that everyone else was also supposed to be a teenager. I had just assumed that Toby Kebbell and Kate Mara were and uh, Johnny and uh, Michael B. Jordan were playing closer to their actual mm-hmm. ages, and it was just Billy Elliot and my, and Whiplash who were uh, <laughs> who, who were high school students. I think Toby Cabell is supposed to be older. I, yeah, I, I well, think like, well, like he's still in, he's still in he's still in the school. He's in the Baxter. He's young. So like, he, he's he's he more, maybe, he's a senior. They're freshmen. Yeah, yeah, like, I yeah, no, it had not occurred to me that they're all supposed to be teenagers. Jesus Christ! Yeah. This is like why did is... you cast these people if you're going to make them teenagers? Come on! Let, I don't know. Why don't we ask um, um what's are, his nuts? The first Spider Man. There are thirty year olds in in Hollywood who can play teenagers. These are not them. Toby Cabell is thirty six for the record. Jesus. Yeah, I I have their numbers now. Kate Mara is thirty five. Mm. She looks younger than they do, though. I think. She's yeah, very like willowy, and like she's not. Yeah. She reads I mean, younger, but all of she the age, others, she's all aging the well. Read as thirty. Yes. Yeah. I I still I still read like I thought I I have like notes about how creepy it is that she and uh, she and Reed are fle- flirting because I assumed that she was in her twenties, but they, now that I think about are, it, no, she is. They're flirting. They're they they flirting clumsily. <laughs> they are flirting, flirting in the way that like they're see science people. students. Well, the other. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. Oh wait. Are you want... All right. Let's get let's get to this. His pickup line is "So you like music? That's kind of like your thing." But I, I buy I buy that with Reed. I buy was, the idea that Reed has never talked was, to a girl before. Yeah. He was reading the stage directions. <laughs> <laughs> but, the thing, but the thing that's incredible is that she reciprocates. She doesn't respond like that's the dumbest thing in the world. She like earnestly answers it and it turns out that music is kinda like her thing. In particular. Well, I mean it, All it of, does read all... like like something that someone on the spectrum might say. So yeah. it's but entirely possible that it's just you know science. I mean, somewhere. I won't lie, John. Of, of, they do occasionally. All three of them have vaguely spectrumy moments. We are. Yeah. Still I, I feel. He also mansplains the plot of Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. A book he immediately gets called out for that, it. That does not need to be explained. That's yeah. that's one of those things that everyone knows the plot of Twenty Thousand Leagues and Under the Sea. And she calls him out instantly, and it's amazing. It's so one we, of the best moments in the movie. We really need to move forward in the movie right what? now because Never. we are less than Never. half an hour in um okay so they are at the science institute uh victor has been brought in to help and they're all building basically a uh teleporter to take people in and out of another dimension they build uh-huh. it they test it for the first time with the least convincing <laughs> cg chimp you could possibly imagine it's so true and yeah. I mean, no, it's a bad chimp. The chimp comes back unharmed <laughs> because, of course, if they'd have used a real chimp, he would have been harmed. Because he was CGI, he was real. And, and I, I want to point out two things in this scene. Uh, number one was the chimp. Number two was the fact that they treat this experiment with all of the safety protocols of launching a new website. It is literally they are sitting around the room in their street clothes and they put on goggles. <laughs> Yeah, oh, also, my eyes! The goggles do nothing! And, but then also, like, the chip comes back, and they're like, he looks like he's healthy. Let's jump to human testing right away. Well, for, well first they're like, ah, oh, he comes back, he looks like he's healthy. Let's give him a big hug. Don't put him through <laughs> decontamination. Don't do anything that he's fine. Let's jump to also, human testing, but we'll bring also, in astronauts to do the human testing. Okay. I, okay. First of all, yeah, this is, where, this is where astronauts come in. But also, like, it's true. 
treated like this is the moment where a mole man Tim Blake Nelson is like treated as like his like arch villainy moment. All he's doing is making the incredibly reasonable suggestion that the people most qualified for this trip are people who are trained to do it. Yeah. That's all he's doing. He's just saying we should send astronauts to another planet. That's all. Yeah, yeah like that's, that's the strangest thing to me. Like this is this leads into like because they immediately they start drinking afterwards because they're upset because they don't get to go into space. Um, and, and there's this weird like fuck astronauts, right? And like yeah. they have this weird th- like Vi- Vi- Victor. So Victor Von Doom, we should add an audience has a lot of like weird like freshman year. Uh, philosophical bullshit crap he says about society a lot like it's imagine the shit that you said when you were a freshman year and you got drunk and you wanted to talk about how awful society was it's basically with that i do want to touch on that for a minute because so many times we hear from so many people in the film including reggie kathy including victor that we have to go to this other dimension to save our planet from destruction but the way that they talk about saving the planet for um, destruction has no specificity to it. There's not, oh, a, no. there's not even a, a like, fig leaf of, uh, ah, we have to deal with climate change. We have to deal with, there's nothing. It's just, like, assumed that everyone is going to watch the film and believe that the world is on the brink of rotating off its axis. <laughs> no, it's yeah. so true. But also, but also there's a part where, like, during the organic test, during the chip test, like, Reggie Cathy is explaining to Tim Blake Nelson that with this data, they'll understand the origin of our species, the origin of our planet, which are not scientifically speaking big mysteries anymore. <laughs> we understand how that happened. We don't need to go to other dimensions to figure out how our species evolved. That's not a There's, thing. Also, is there is no, yeah, I mean, like, there's no reason to believe that they're going to learn anything yeah, related exactly. to those things. different dimension. Who knows the, how like the way it is. reads to me is Reggie Caffey is terrified that his funding is going to be cut, and he's just trying to come up <laughs> with anything he can. It's the most realistic moment in the film. <laughs> <laughs> No, what must have happened is that Tim Blake Nelson asked him why the chimp, and this is just what he pulled out of his ass. Uh, the origin of our species. He, we're we're going to put the chimp in. He's going to come back human. You'll watch. It'll be amazing. We're going to set up the planet of the apes. No, it's one of those situations Which several where... of the actors in this movie would later go on to be in. It's one of those situations where he wrote the grant the night before it was due. And was like, uh, how do I just find this? Uh, chimp. All right. We'll deal with it later. All right, so, so they get drunk. So they, they get so drunk for, on what, what it must be noted is an incredibly small amount of alcohol. Oh, they, special at Varian Vodka. That's just strong. Yeah, yeah. and uh, all of them do a very poor job of acting drunk. And then they decide, <laughs> fuck those astronauts, we're going to go through ourselves. But- I, I want to I dig into this a little bit. I know that we're still, we still, but because Victor has like this line about like, you know, do you know who made the space shuttle? No, and of course the answer is like, 40, 50 people, like a lot of people may play the space shuttle figure. And then he kind of like, like really half-assed, like, you know, what did, what did um, Neil Armstrong do? And I'm like, a lot? Gives a significantly did they say less space thing. shuttle? Uh, or the Neil Apollo. Armstrong did not ride on the space shuttle. I think it's <laughs> also Apollo, true. The Apollo rocket. Apo- you, you but, yeah. the Apollo mission. Oh, I might be okay. missing. It's a significantly but less. I just less was genuinely version. concerned. Yeah. <laughs> it's a significantly less compelling version of the speech that uh, I think it's D'Angelo Barksdale gives in the first season of The Wire about Chicken McNuggets and the guy <laughs> yes. them not getting credit. Yeah. yeah, like there's this <laughs> weird idea that like. 
His entire thesis is that the people who made the rocket died penniless in a gutter. Because <laughs> and he, make, the, he makes that point to the, Wallace, doesn't he? He does. To Michael we, B. Jordan? Also, yeah, he does. But we also get... <laughs> We get no context for why he would have this view. What his like? What maybe his grandfather worked on the mission and he died penniless? We, there's, no, a, there's nothing rooted in characterization here. Again, that would be like, yeah, that would be a good that would be a good thing to include. I mean, I feel like that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie because it actually does explain why they would want to do this without without any kind of like the safety protocols because they're just doing it right now because it's very realistic that that the, the people who run this program would take this away from them. Okay. Yes. But, I, I'm often but, little, I don't know why they're surprised at that. Like, just, that's what really gets me is that they're like, they're like, oh, sorry. Well, they're children. Yeah, I, 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 I have a point to make. Um, the Chicken McNugget recipe was created in 1979 by McDonald's first executive chef, Rene Arend. So there you go. Okay. He probably did uh, actually make quite a bit of money. Yeah, he probably right. did very well. He probably but, did. But you see the problem with the problem with that, like the idea that like they're doing this right now, we have to do this right now because we're drunk and we have a, a dumb idea, is entirely undermined by the fact that they bring Ben Grimm into this at this moment. How did that scene play out? Did Reed just go, okay, this is a great idea, guys, but first I need to get my buddy Ben. He's coming with us. You'll love him. Ben's great. He'll be awesome. <laughs> You'll love him. So they get And there's, yeah, a, they, they and get there's the, such an obvious time to bring him in. Like, if you don't bring him into the Baxter Institute, have him come in to work on building the machine along with Johnny. We've established that he's already involved in building the previous teleporters. That's right. where you go, like, we need your. We, we've we got this problem. Machines and machines myths. Yeah. So Ben comes along. We need a part from your junkyard. Yeah. We need we need the M sixty four rig. <laughs> yes. So they bring Ben in. All of them where, get suited where, up. Where are we? One of one of them. Is, Von Doom yells at, at Reed. Where are we gonna find forty N sixty fours at this time of night? <laughs> I know, I know, a, I know a guy. I know where we can get a fantastic number of N sixty fours. So they 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 get Ben and they uh, Reed, Johnny, Victor, and Ben get suited up. They get in the chamber and they go to this other dimension. They get out. There's science. They, wa they walk around. Oh, there's not science. There's, there's not science. There's no fucking science. There's like, hey, look at that fell energy. Let's yeah. go touch it. Yeah, you know, it really is. Hey, there's a green pool of energy. Let's stick our hands in it. Um, things go predictably bad. There's an earthquake. Things start Every apart. single shot is cliche. Yeah. It made me so... Oh, God, I get so tired of seeing planet... Of, of seeing ground fall away from people's feet. There are there are an infinite number of other ways you could build tension in, a, in an alien nope. environment than having nope. the ground fall away from someone as they're running. Yep. Give it a pulse. Give it... Give it... Make the... Make the ground start making a sound that sounds like language. Make the like, ground do, do anything. Oh, that's great. The laws of physics just like stop, just break down entirely. Like, yeah, you know, the like, ground oh. is suddenly liquid. It's suddenly fire. It's suddenly water. Like, or, or, you know, they're in a fucking another dimension. We could do like some Doctor Strange, like mm -hmm. dimensional shit. Yeah. yeah. So, but that's not what happens. What happens instead no. is Victor. It's a goddamn volcano of fell energy. Yeah. Victor gets caught in the volcano and disappears. Um, into the, into the the ether, he doesn't then, get he doesn't get caught in the volcano. It reaches out it and reaches grabs out him. and grabs him. 
The uh, the others get back in their machine, but they can't get the doors latched. Ben gets a bunch of uh, rocks thrown at him. Someone off screen fire. throws rocks at Ben for like <laughs> ten seconds. On the other side, Sue pulls them all back in. There's a catastrophe, and we get to what may be the only effective three minutes of the film. <laughs> and this is, okay, so I, yes. I want to get back to something from the, 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 we probably should have said at the beginning, but I felt like this movie was exactly what I expected it to be based on everything that I had heard about the mm -hmm. film prior to watching it, which was that Josh Trank was trying to make a movie that was much more based in the idea of the body, bodily horror, body horror of becoming yeah. one of the Fantastic Four. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like this is the only time in the film when we get the tone that I expected from the movie that I think he was trying to make. I, I think that's fair. Yes. I think that's fair. Uh, yes, I think like I have notes here about body horror, but I can also absolutely understand why Fox would see that and go, what the fuck are you doing with our IP? We want, we want rubber hose man. We do not want body horror. Why yes. is he realistically stretching? But I feel very confident that had he finished that version of a film, it would be infinitely more watchable and ha have made more money and had a much longer shelf life because it would be an effective outlier in the superhero like comic book yeah. You know, I world. don't know if it would have made more money. I think the, I'm talking the, long term. I'm not long, talking long in the theater necessarily. The, the bad press. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't. I think it would have had a cult shelf life, yeah. unlike any other comic. I film. don't know yeah. if it would have been objectively a good movie, but I think it would have been interesting. I yeah, I'm no, not saying that it would have. I'm not saying that it would have been a good movie. I'm saying it would have been a better movie because it would have been okay. a coherent movie. Yeah. I think it's the difference between. Daredevil director's cut and Daredevil theatrical film. I did think about but it while I was watching. It, it has a, it, I think it had a potential to be much better than the director's cut of Daredevil, which Who's is good they? largely in comparison to the theatrical cut of Daredevil, but not necessarily good in comparison to any random actual yeah. good film. And I mean, to go back to a point that Dude just made, like I have in my notes, like up until the point where Doom comes back into the movie. This doesn't really feel like a superhero movie. Like we've talked a lot about the fact that like a superhero movie, like it shouldn't be a genre, but it kind of is a genre. And until it sort of gets shoehorned into like the villain is back and we've got to stop him. Like the middle part of this movie where it's body horror and Reed Richards yeah. on the run doing like born identity shit. Uh, it's it feels very different from a lot of uh, a lot of superhero movies that we've seen. Yeah. I mean, part of that, is, and, and part of the thing of that is that like the pacing we talked about that we, we Nick, I know you you have very strong feelings about this. The pacing of this is very odd. Where like yeah. I the like just it's like forty five. It's almost half the movie is over before they get their powers. Like it's it is a long time. Yeah, and they and they dispose of like it feels like the last half of this movie is like. Like the like the kernel of a good idea, or even sometimes like the kernel of a bad idea, but they don't like give it enough time to fully grow. So like they don't do enough with like the body horror trapped in Area Fifty Seven stuff. They don't do enough with Reed Richards on the run. They don't I do feel... enough. They don't do enough with Doctor Doom's stupid plan at the end, which is terrible, and I hate that part of it. But also, it's over really weirdly and fast. I feel like what we get. What I mean, if I were going to guess, I'd say we got. The first two, some version of the first two acts of a film, and then the last act of this is some muddled uh, version of acts three and four 
of a film that was never finished. I, w I would say that starts to really become apparent um, when you have, so you have the body horror scene, you see kind of each of them manifesting their powers. There's actually some, some effective things there. Uh, you have Reed seeing Ben in his rock form for the first time, and then Reed runs away. And that's yeah. fine. You, you, can, you can spin drama out of that. But then we have a uh, scene with Tim Blake Nelson and The Thing, and then a title card that says, One Year Later. Oh, God. And then we cut to Tim Blake Nelson making a speech where he is showing video of the other members of the Fantastic Four using their powers. And I am convinced that that video is from a series of scenes that were shot and cut mm. out of the film and yeah. edited together. Because it, it's like all of that together, that's the training montage. That's the yes. they learn how to use yeah. their powers montage. And, it and is, I actually, that's probably 15 minutes of film that is disposed of. I felt like that was a, a very... It was one of the more interesting choices for like the studio cut of this film for them to... Because you're used to seeing a training montage yeah, or like all of that stuff. stuff and, but like they didn't, the studio, it looks like, didn't have that. And I don't know who took over the film when they took it away from Josh Trank. But uh, it, I can it, talk it about feels that after like. The air. Okay. Um, I, uh, I felt like it was, it was a, a version of like presenting this that I wasn't expecting. But it's, it's so literal. It's just someone explaining this in like a PowerPoint presentation. This is how they learn how to use their powers. To, to the, 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 the <laughs> As you can We've see. Gather the generals. <laughs> yeah, we, 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 we have like Sue like manifesting different versions of her yeah. powers and Tim Blake Nelson explaining his uh, the, in, her in what I will that, point that out wasn't is just the video least well-lit conference room at the entire Pentagon. <laughs> Sorry, I, I talked over you, dude. Um, what I was saying was, Tim Blake Nelson is also giving this pitch in the least well-lit conference room in the entire Pentagon. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I, of all the lights off for some reason. I, I understand the stereotype of, like, shady rooms in the Pentagon where insidious activity is happening, but those rooms are probably pretty well-lit. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Just, well... Uh, General just going... Mr. Doctor, Doctor, I can't see yeah, this. I'm, hit, I'm, hit the, I'm 65. The, uh, Can, my cataract. the lights up back also, up. When we also, get to the end I've of the a, film, I have another point about conference rooms uh, that right. I want I to make. I am we, so excited we, about this. Before <laughs> we move on, the Pentagon has a surprising number of bathrooms. Do you know why? Why? Segregation! Because, it was, because of segregation. It was built in Virginia, and they had to have... They had to have segregated bathrooms, so there is an absurd number of bathrooms in the Pentagon. Wait, what? What film are you quoting? Is is that in X Men? That's a real fact. That's no, a real but fact. I mean, no, it's, but it's in oh. a comic book film where they just where someone says that. Probably X Men oh, yeah. First yeah. Class. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. It is. Uh, no, I think it's I think it's uh, Days of Future Past. Probably it is Days of Future Past. All right. Well, okay. Why so is it pronounced Moleman because it's Molman. not his name. <laughs> he is a mole man. Goldman. So. We, uh, okay, so what's, what's happened now? We see that the thing is running missions for the U.S. government. Uh, we see Reed is now a fugitive. He's trying to, I don't know, I guess figure out how to cure the Fantastic Four. Johnny's flying I, around with his fire powers. This all lasts about ten minutes. Um, yeah. yeah. And, like, there's definitely, yeah, definitely the idea is. Face. That's a great scene. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. When he changes oh, yeah, no, his that's, face. Uh -huh. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's I really like cool. that. I, they, they don't do enough with it. Like again, like I, think, I feel like you know, the I, I haven't read enough Fantastic Four comics to know whether that's ever a a use that he puts his powers to. 
but it absolutely would be if it were yeah. if he were a real I person. Think I that'd will, be up I, there with like t- seeing what it was like to have boobs or something like that. <laughs> in the, I, I think the idea is at some point in the comics it comes up, and I think like basically what Black, Black Widow it comes up to Black. Someone's talking about to Black Widow, and she comments, "Oh yeah, no, he can do the face thing. It's great. He's just a really shitty actor. Bad actor. <laughs> so like it just doesn't work. Which I totally That's believe. Insane. That's great. Yeah, it's That's like, great. like, it's like yeah, great. it would be great if he weren't like literally the world's worst actor. Yeah. So like yeah. So but again, going, been... wait, well, going back, like uh, somebody just mentioned, uh, like sort of the nebulous idea that I guess he's trying to search for a cure. And, like, that comes up a couple times. Like, Sue has a line where, like, we're here to get our lives back. We're just trying to find the cure. And, again, it's never it's never developed enough. It's never motivated enough. It never feels real that this is what they're looking for. We, we have this one year later jump that is ostensibly supposed to establish all the distance these characters have come. And ten minutes later, we're back at a point where the one-year-later jump didn't matter because Reed's back at Area 57. They're doing the same thing they were doing before. Yeah, no, Nothing has really changed. Well, I, and I think the part of the problem is the one-year-later one jump, like, elides a lot of that body horror. Like, if if we had spent more time with, you know, the three months where Johnny Storm just kept being on He's fire... On fire and, all the time. And, yeah. and, couldn't, and couldn't control it. Or where where Sue is just phasing in and out of existence and can't control it. It's sometimes just a nervous system. Like if you really want, if you want Reggie Cathy to freak out that his daughter is doing this, have her just be a nervous system. Or or like when, uh, when, uh, uh, when Reed is seeing um, the thing in or Ben in his cell, it looks like he's like melding with the rock in the ground. It looks like he's getting stuck in stuff. So again, like if we, if we really dealt with that body horror more, the idea that like, at least some of these characters would be single-mindedly focused on like I have to I have to be normal again would work a lot better than you know a couple of scenes of them being fucked up and then we're a year later and they have their cool powers now. Yeah, it really feels honestly I feel like that one year later is almost like the studio giving the finger to Josh Trank because all of the interesting stuff that I want to see is them adjusting to their powers and they're like we're just going to skip over the entirety of the movie that he wanted to make. Yeah. Which I, it's not an instinct that I hate just because like, I, I think most movies, you know, we, I've talked about like how frustrated I am with seeing origin stories over and over again. And like, if it's a really conventional or uh, origin story, a really conventional training montage, I don't know if that is something that we need to see, but I think given the, given the sort of the value uh, that he's placing on this sort of the, the body horror aesthetic of what's happening here. I think this would be an interesting training montage to see. It so does, it is a missed oh, opportunity. Yeah. It reads very much one year later might as well have said real missing. That's yeah, what it feels. exactly. That, that is what I, yeah. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I'd be curious to know how much in that one year later, like how much of that is Trank's material. I'm pretty well, sure every, like my understanding is everything on planet zero, or at least like the big showdown on planet zero is entirely reshoot. It I is. Think. It is. That, that, that cause remember I, as, as, and that's not Toby Cabell. That's how you can tell can, it's reshoot. Yeah. Can, can we, uh, well, my understanding is that he was not done filming when they took, the project away from him. Correct. So is it fair to call it reshoots uh, if, it, I, if it's I, not I think finished was, uh, shooting? I think he had a cut of the film. Hmm. Yeah, no, oh, I've, okay. I, I, I've read... Uh, there's definitely God, quotes that's, from, like, Toby... That's even more infuriating. Yeah, like, there's definitely... Uh, yeah, like, the Wikipedia page I was reading definitely talks about, like, 
him saying like him complaining that like there's a cut of this movie that I had that you will never see because Fox won't let yeah. me show. Yeah, he famously posted that oh. on his Twitter feed. I have a uh, I have a th- this is embarrassing, but was and it, I don't know how accurate Steve is, but... Ditko. Yeah, who was the first artist on Fantastic Four? It was Kirby. not. It was because Kirby, not Ditko. Kirby I, was Ditko on Spider Man. Yes. Yes. Okay, yeah. that's what I'm thinking of because I can't remember what podcast I was listening to, but uh, someone talked about how the earliest issues the earliest drawings for i think it was both spider-man and the fantastic four the uh the artist had experimented more with the body horror element of the uh the the characters and i think ditko had made had uh treated peter parker's change at, where he was actually moving and looked physically more like a spider mm-hmm. when he was spider-man and i feel like that i had heard that it was true of the fantastic four as well that like it was originally more of like a, a horrific like kind of take on these and it and it kind of got muddied I can over time that, but so, also like i mean you're thing. you're in the you're in the context of an early 60s comic um, yeah i don't know i don't yeah. know how far they would have pushed but i can believe that that might have been the intent but i do want to i do want to touch on the josh trank thing for a minute though because sure. it's I think we should try to understand why he was removed from the film. And I don't, based on everything that I have read, it is not just because he delivered a cut that the studio did not. Yeah. Wasn't it kind of hard to work with? Yeah. He, the long story short goes, he lost the entire cast. Like he and Miles Teller nearly came to blows. He hated Kate Mara and just treated her like trash the entire time. Oh, she's America's sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I I mean, if if we're we're going to open, I think this is, this is the reality of Trank was a guy who made a successful independent film and then was dropped into a structure that he may not have been equipped to deal with. I, I, yeah. so if we're going to bring, if we, if you want to open that kind of runs, I'll go ahead and, and, and just speak on the record then is that there are stories. I cannot tell you if they're verified or not. I, I really want to emphasize that. I cannot tell you if this is true or not. Rumors. Rumors. So, is that he also, um, you know, cause they, this entire thing was shot in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, he, 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 there's rumors that he got really drunk and like completely trashed the house he was renting, mm. you know, just there. I, I cannot speak with enough, but basically the, it, it's not exactly a secret that he was removed from the project, not necessarily because they weren't happy with the cut, although I'm sure that was part of it. He was, he, he was turning into a problem. Yeah. And that I, I feel like is, it's almost m- more tragic that we don't get a sense of what his presentation of it was because if they didn't like the movie and thought that it was not marketable, mm-hmm. then that is, that, that's a decision that they made to change the view of the movie. But if his view of the movie was not incoherent or so unpalatable that they thought no one would pay to see it, but it, it was about his lifestyle choices, then I feel like that's, it's, Obviously, it says something about him. But like, we live in a culture where people still watch Roman Polanski movies or Woody Allen movies. Sure. Like, what? I mean, if if but the thing is, it when when Stefan pointed out he lost the cast, and if that's yeah. true, again, I don't know if that's true. But if he if he lost the cast, what he's basically getting at is that like you have the cast members literally calling Fox and saying, "Okay, we we don't want to do this anymore. Like, yeah. we all we, right, we can't." And again, like I like the extent of my research is reading the Wikipedia page for this uh, mm-hmm. movie. I don't want to act like I'm an expert on this, but I did notice that all of the quotes that were in support of Trank seemed to come from uh, Toby Cabell. So like, perhaps he didn't lose him, but uh, like 
there didn't seem to be anybody like I did, could, didn't see a quote from like Michael yeah. B. Jordan or Miles Teller like mm-hmm. sticking up for the Trank the Trank version of the film. And, and I, I might as well go ahead and say this: you, you asked earlier who took over. Um, it was Matthew Vaughn. Uh, that's okay. not a shock. Oh. He was a, he was a producer on it. Yeah, he he because he had direct because he had directed movies before and he was like there yeah. was pretty okay. much the, the 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 reasoning. Right. And I mean, even all of those sort of rumors and stories aside, I mean, one one of the one of the things that seems to me evidence that it wasn't just the studio didn't like body horror or, you know, mm. quote unquote, Trank's vision of the film is just all the pacing problems. I mean, you would think that if they were going to do reshoots, um, that some of that would have been more easily mitigated. Particularly than... if it's Matthew Vaughn doing the reshoot. Matthew Vaughn's yeah. a good director. He's got good things under his belt. Yeah, I mean, you, you get the sense that the material they were working with had had some fundamental even even that, if the yeah. vision was good, the structure might not. Right, then it, it was yeah. it was a problem. Either you know, uh, it wasn't a problem of the edit or of mm-hmm. you know yeah. tone necessarily. Again, the, the you know the, just based on what I see in the film, it seems like that could have been fixed more easily. Yeah. If, uh, well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, again, I like this goes back to what, where we started with like. I'm of the opinion that like I'm not convinced that the, the Trank version of this movie would be better. I definitely think it would be more interesting. I would rather yeah. watch it. Yes. Like I, I would be fascinated to see it. I'm not convinced it would be a good movie, though. This, this completely smells of the studio trying to salvage uh, you know, something safely. We got a release date on the and, calendar. We've yeah. spent $150 million on this film, which, by the way, where the hell is it? Because it's not on the screen. <laughs> it was probably in the VF. It was probably in those in those action sequences. That a lot of reshoots too. Yeah. They uh they they lost it uh when they did the initial test of the teleporter and all they got back was sand. Uh, that makes <laughs> sense. Uh, yeah. No. Like they, they they really undersell it, but they built that. That's not that's not CGI yeah, stuff. Well, and that's another dimension. They <laughs> went to true. another dimension. Speaking of which, um, it's time we go back to that other dimension because God Reed, damn it. Reed's back no. at Area 57 and they have rebuilt the teleporter but Reed's upset because they made it ugly. And uh, then they go. B- the they didn't, they didn't stick to the aesthetic of my childhood drawing. Yep. <laughs> so they didn't make it. Make it. They didn't make it out of bathtubs like the original version. I wrote. Where is I, I drew this in 2007. Where are the Yu-Gi-Oh cards? Yeah. <laughs> so that the, would be incredible if there were all like other like childhood things that were running this. If it were powered by Tamagotchi. So they go. <laughs> This time, a group of trained astronauts goes. There's a Furby as part of it. He's a living Tamagotchi <laughs> from He's really diligent about the battery. Um, <laughs> this time, a group of trained astronauts goes over to the other world. And Those they, fucking glory hounds. Fuck you, astronauts. And they find, uh, they find Victor, uh, and they bring him back, and he's been fused with his spacesuit. Where did you get that cloak from? I don't know Thank where you got you. the cloak. That is, it all, this is the first. This is the first thing on my notes right here. In all caps, where did he get a cloak? Yep. So he comes. That back. was his burial shroud. Yep. The, the, the local uh, life force they buried him. Yep. In. So they he comes him. back. Um, they do that there too. When they pull up, when they pull him off the uh, the tele the teleporter thing, somebody says his biochemistry is off the charts. Yep. Which <laughs> no, I don't, I don't does know. not mean anything. Yeah, I don't his know. Physics is bio- extremely high. <laughs> I don't know a lot about biochemistry, but I'm pretty sure that means nothing. Yep. 
There's a well, line. They were measuring his biochemistry in uh in Fahrenheit, not centigrade. Uh, there's, a, there's a line in, in Ghostbusters, the video game that I've always loved, where you're running around somewhere and Egon goes, "The readings are off the charts." Guess I'm gonna have to make new charts. <laughs> like, like literally, it's just common. It's like, oh fuck, I gotta make a bigger chart. So nice. I need uh, to play that. I'm his biochemistry has had its polarity game. reversed. They bring him back. New they bring him low. in. Uh, Victor has been fused to his spacesuit. Oh my um, god, the design is so bad. He looks like Bicentennial Man. I actually, I kind of <laughs> like, that's I kind of like exactly that. what my roommate said. I was going to say a Power Rangers Bicentennial Man. I, I spent, I, I paused the movie for like five minutes to read the plot summary of Bicentennial Man, a movie I saw in theaters. I, I, saw, I saw that on an airplane. Yeah, I haven't seen it since. I'm like. I, yeah, so was I, and like I don't remember being disappointed by it, but I don't remember a lot about it. I was like, I wonder if Bicentennial Man might be good. I remember a moderately <laughs> passable Oliver Platt performance. Yes, um, he's yeah. in that movie. Okay, so um, <laughs> Victor's back. They've got him, and of course, as soon as Victor wakes up, he's immediately evil. Of course. <laughs> Well, I mean, he was evil before. Has been corrupted by the other dimension. Ah, he was he was an asshole before. He wasn't blowing people's yeah, heads up. Before. But he but just spent a year plus in another dimension by himself inside his own head, which was not a good head. But I, so what? What we do get here, though, is no. what I would say is maybe the other effective scene in the movie, which yeah, is where he is walking down halls, shot from over his own shoulder, blowing heads up. Yeah, it's a, it's a very Akira-style thing, and it makes sense from Trank, because Chronicles is in many ways a essentially a Western version of Akira. Mm. So he charges through. Um, he is blowing up heads. He kills Dr. Storm. He kills uh, Hans Molman. And he goes back to the, uh, the Dimension Machine, jumps through... And we enter into maybe the most absurdly abbreviated climax I've ever seen in a film. It's pulling before, everything into another dimension. Before we uh, get to that, what what do you guys think that he was doing to Tim Blake Nelson before he popped his head? I thought he because that's a really was, long murder. I thought he was boiling <laughs> the blood inside of his blood vessels. That seems like one thing that was happening. <laughs> yeah. He may have been so, you know. I, I would also like to introduce a phrase that my younger brother James came up with uh, about uh, the way he's doing is that this came out not long after Batman v Superman, as I recall, and around the same time as Suicide Squad. And you had a lot of like these sort of sky lasers, which my younger brother has decided ah. he's going to call destroying the world with dubstep. Because they all make the same noise. It sounds like it's dubstep. And they have the pulse. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and it's and it's it's an incredibly cle- it's like the most by the book. How do superhero movies end with a giant laser destroying giant the laser Earth. in the sky? Sky laser dubstep. Dubstep again. But so all of the Fantastic Four go back to Planet Zero to fight Doom, and Doom's plan, I guess, is just to suck the Earth into this portal. What what is he trying to accomplish? Just well, it's, he's he's decided that this world. Because they've come back, they're going to destroy his world, which is Planet Zero, which is now his world. Why didn't so the they call it to... Planet Two? Because they're morons. <laughs> um... <laughs> that bothers me immediately. Two planet, two at. Then so they they do and that. two planet. So his big thing is like so he'll like destroy he'll take this world and he'll suck all the matter out and he'll turn it to energy 
and then that'll somehow save his world. And I don't know. Nothing makes sense anymore. No, no, it's not. It's not explained at all. Uh, I, I got the impression that he like they were going to go and exploit resources or whatever, and he, you know, he's protective of his personal yeah. dimension. So he's like. You've already ruined Earth. I'm, you think I'm going to let you ruin Mars, too? Get on out of here with that stuff. <laughs> if we're going to go off like the way he talked at the beginning of the movie, there's probably some bullshit about the man and the system. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, you know, Tim Blake Nelson was planning to, like, make super soldiers with the fell energy yeah. on this planet. Like, yes. there clearly some shady shit was going to happen on Planet Zero, but, like, he goes for immediately to, I'm back home, I must now destroy Earth. So we oh, get that, is, that is why there are no lights in the Pentagon, by the way, because it's where all the shady stuff happens. Uh, yeah. Uh, and again, like, what, what if, what if, like, just in going back to his dimension, he had accidentally created this rift? Like, if he wasn't consciously trying to destroy yeah. Earth, it just happened. That well, again I'll, might be a more interesting thing uh, to be happening. Here. Well, what does what does Reed say to Kate Mara? Uh, well, I'm glad that didn't happen. Yeah. So, he so got, they can't they he, can't defeat him by themselves because he's so stronger decide, than all of, or than any of them. But he's not stronger than all of them. And so they yes. team up, and there's a there's a why really why does he think fight. that's true? What is the basis <laughs> for that? He's a, yeah, he's he's a no, super but, scientist. It's it's just He's something Reggie Cathy has been saying a lot of like <laughs> Reggie Cathy, Reggie Cathy has like a lot of lines in this movie about how like working together is good. The only, thing shocked, the only thing that shocked me about Reggie Cathy in this film was that he lived to the third act. I thought for <laughs> sure he would die midway through and act. Yeah. He, he had to he had to deliver Franklin Storm's immortal dying words. Promise me, he look could, after each other. He could have delivered that at the end of Act One. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, they go in, they fight Doctor Doom, they throw it's him. It's incredibly easy. They, yeah, <laughs> they, they punch they, him. Like, they work together for 30 seconds, and it's clobber in time, done. They, yeah, they, pu- they punch him through a rift. He's shredded like a Banksy painting. And also, wait. He's that gone. is a very tough Oh, Tyler! Where's the, where's the bell? Where's the bell? There we go. For the record, for those of you at home, this guy is the the Marvel bad guy. This is like the scariest Marvel ma- bad guy. Why yeah. has Wait, every which version film... are we talking about? Because I didn't think the jeweler was in this one. That's true. <laughs> Why has okay? So we we've seen Doctor Doom portrayed on film four times by three, well, four if we count the body double in this film, different <laughs> actors. Um, I understand that the Corman film had perhaps reasons why it couldn't uh, couldn't afford the, I... but. Why is Doctor Doom? I, I don't remember Doctor Doom in the Corbin film. I thought the only villain was the jeweler. No, no Doom, he, <laughs> he prances around a lot. Like he's great. Yeah. Like he's very. Okay. He's very actually, I, remember, I, I actually would I remember, argue though. I remember Red Skull because he's playing a piano on top of a castle. <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay, so I actually would argue that the Corman film uh, has the best representation of Doctor Doom that we have seen in these four films. I would agree with that. And I am. My mind is boggled. By the fact that is it just the name? Like, why can this character not translate to a big budget film? I think it's because he's very much of a time, and people think that that's a problem, mm. and they mistake the fact that it's not a problem. That's in fact the whole thing for Doctor Doom. Like, you you want Doctor Doom to feel kind of old school. He's a he capital should... S supervillain. Yeah, he should feel a little out of time. And I think that's actually something to be played with. Like, the idea that, like, he he kind of comes off as a man slightly out of time. 
You know, he 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 basically took over his Eastern European bloc country, took it over, and just decided uh, Bulgaria. We're talking about Bulgaria, right? Bulgaria, yes. <laughs> Bulgaria. Like you know, the, 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 the he took over Terabithia, like, and <laughs> if you really want to do it, like you know, and you you want to have him with the whole cloak and everything on. Have him take over and like, you know, I mean, dictators do this. We have ample examples of dictators doing this yeah. and have him just be like, you know, why are you dressing like that? This is how my mother would tell me that the great philosopher kings of Latveria, and it's just total bullshit, but he's feeding it to himself. You know, yeah. Victor Von Doom is not a, like, st I know Stan, Stan Lee actually said this, like, Victor Von Doom is based off of half a dozen dictators that have existed. Like, he, Doom is not a complicated. Well, he's a fascinating villain, but he's not exactly hard to adapt because. Would, would you he, say that he, he exists? He is getting high on his own supply. Yes, I would. I would, I would say. Okay. Yes. <laughs> now I have a I have a, a comic book question here. In the comics, or in like any of the continuities, is clobbering time a phrase intimately tied to Ben Grimm's childhood abuse? No, and I hated that so much. Yes, I hated, hated, I, hated, I hated, hated that. It, and I was like, I'm almost certain this isn't a thing. I hope it's not a thing. It's not. And yeah, it that really angered me actually. Really? Because I think that is that is incredibly uh, stupid, original, <laughs> and kind of clever. One uh, original, it. yes. Clever, no. Oh, yes. I mean, it's, I, I, I get, I get the, again, this may be another, it may be another thing that from a vision perspective, it makes sense, but the bones are not there to make it, it pay off. The idea could have been that Ben was a product of abuse and he had to find a way over the course of his life to channel that into something positive. And he recalls that at a moment of particular stress that he then is able to harness to do something good with the damage that he had taken over the course of his life. But the that bones is, are not there. Right. Yeah, that is, that, is so, that is like three times, at, that is eight times more complicated the level of character complex. development. You mean complex. Complexity. Uh, that we have in this movie. And I'll, I'll give, I'll give the Ben's character is I am sad that I am made of rocks. <laughs> that is the extent of his character. Until suddenly at the end, he isn't sad for reasons that are not even addressed. But I also love the idea that uh, in in different portrayals of the character, like Ben Grimm, he says something about Doctor Doom. Ben Grimm is not a complicated character. Why does Ben Grimm say it's clobbering time? It's because Ben Grimm is the kind of guy who would chomp on a cigar and say, nah, it's clobbering time. Because he looks at the I, watch yeah. and he's like, it is time to clobber something. Yeah. See the hands on the clock say it's time to clobber. When, when, I, uh, when I saw the opening scene of Ben... Uh, God damn it! Sorry, I should have said uh, the little hands on the clock say it's time to rock because he's made of rocks. <laughs> oh, thank uh, Ring, do your thing. Uh, oh God! The, the opening scene after Dan Castellaneta just like shuts down ten-year-old. Yeah, just <laughs> the worst he's teacherly duty in the world. Teacher. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, high school, Stop apparently, because he's at the high school science fair, right? So has he been this guy's teacher for, for since? This also is this a one-room like, school? I'm going to ride you, Richards, until you graduate. Well, it's also like, you know, but, uh, this was a career day. My career is inventor. That's a career, dipshit. Yeah. I, uh, well, maybe it's like a Mr. Feeney situation where he just, like, oh, continues yeah. to, like... He's acting maybe, Principal yes. Castellaneta. What if, what if he got a job at the Baxter Institute? Maybe that's what happens. Um, I, uh... I felt like I wanted to see Ben, we see the rest of his walk up to the front of the class to present what his uh, 
career would be. And I wanted him to just say, I'm going to beat up anybody who is mean to that smart kid. And I'm going to ride his coattails all the way to the gra- like all the way through the gravy train or something like that. And th- then it would, th- I feel like that That's moment perfect. would solidify their entire like relationship for the rest of whatever you wanted them to do on screen. Perfect. Yeah. And he does that that evening when he when you know yeah. by coincidence he breaks into his uh, hoopa to do. Incidentally, by the way, I'm looking at the tr- the uh, the casting here. Do you know who's playing Ben Grimm's older brother? No. Tim Heidecker, Tom Hanks' youngest son. Uh, but Heidecker's in it, right? Tim uh, yeah, Tim Heidecker is in it. Yeah, yeah Tim no, Heidecker is um, Tim and Eric. Reads, uh, he's, reads, he's the reads father. Ah, right. Oh, or, I thought, I thought maybe he was Ben's mother. Yeah, no, right. Tom Hanks' son, son is is the uh, is Wait, the which, abusive which older Tom brother. Hanks? Wait, is it Chet Hayes? Which, it's yes, it's Chet Hanks. But you also said which Tom Hanks? <laughs> well, he, he, <laughs> well, I meant which Tom Hanks' son? Is it like, the Tom Hanks who lived next to Bester when they were growing up? The one, the one who was married to Phil Collins. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bring it around. It was it was Chet Hanks. Hayes. Ding. Hayes. His name is Chet Hayes. Chet Hayes. <laughs> I don't anyway. Know put a list on it. So, Dr. Doom's Hayes. being defeated. They go back. They have a weird conversation with a bunch of generals where the where they say, this is what we want. And the general says, why should we give it to you? And they basically respond with, because we said so. And yeah. so they do. Yep. Yeah. And then, the, yeah, there's, there's a painful sequence at the end where they're like, we should come up with our superhero name and then reads like wait guys i got it after ben says the word fantastic and then it cuts to black and there's, and not, even, and, there's not even and ben is not mopey anymore ben's not mopey. nope every, everything's fine it's all cool those, he's still not wearing pants totally and that's something we haven't talked about ben at all does that not big. wear pants that is true uh, <laughs> and those, you oh my god he's got a butt. robot dick he's got not robot dick a rock what, dick. what does ben <laughs> subsist on <laughs> In the comic books, he he eats Hot food. Dogs? Like he yeah. just eats food all the yeah. time. Like he'll eat food and drink drink liquids. In this, I don't think he does. He does have a butt, though. You can very distinctly see his butt as he walks away from the camera yeah. in one scene. I I really like the scene where everyone else is sitting at a table and he is standing behind them, and there's no there's no effort made to address the fact that like obviously he can't sit in a chair. That's just pretty. Does Sorry, the thing of the Hulk go to the same tailor? Hmm. That does bring up the fact that, you know, and, and we've sort of skipped around this uh, a bit, but the fact that there's basically no humor in this film, it's sort of the diametric opposite yeah. of the other, uh, uh, of the, you know, mid-2000s Fantastic Four yeah. movies. Which, which goes very hard on, like, we're going to be yeah. fun. And I think the Roger Corman one had a lot of humor in it, didn't it? Or was oh, that was just laughably, fun. like... Presented. Roger Corman movie was. was I feel like the there was a lot fun. of a lot of jokes, yeah. and it does, it does strike me that mostly laughably bad. Yeah, it does strike me that the. I mean, these characters. There's a lot of opportunity for that, right? Oh yeah. I mean, well, like, like in you know the sort of flip side of the body of horror is like the body comedy. Body humor. Uh, so the, well, like, the, the, wait, is that before or after the body electric? The ch- <laughs> the challenge here, though, is body politic, and, and this is something that. To, this is to their credit, although they mangled it, um, the mid-2000s Fantastic Four films did. The, the core structure of the Fantastic Four is the idea that these characters are a family. And yeah. as a family, they they have a familiarity with one another and a looseness with one another and a give and take with one another that lends itself to humor. 
And more so than there being a lack of humor in the film, the thing that is unforgivable to me is there is no sense of family in this film between yeah. these characters, including the characters that are related. There is no yes. sense that they are Yeah, the brother and sister no, are, in no way do I look at that those two characters and go, nope, those two are not related. I do not see any world well, where, it, like, where like yeah. Johnny was like pulling on Sue's pigtails. Yeah, I just don't pull yeah, there's, there's not, none of that, and like they they try to act as though they've like they've earned the Ben and Reed relationship. They have not done that. Uh, I, and yeah. I mean, does Ben spend any time with Sue or Johnny before he shows up and there's the accident? I no. mean, they no. must have been in the same room at the. No. He must have been no. in the same room with Sue at the science fair. Yeah, that's the only scene. Yeah, where they never speak to Johnny the entire no. movie until the very end, where they have like their first inkelpy, <laughs> which is the famous Johnny Ben relationship. It's unforgivable yes. because that yes. that is yeah. arguably the defining Fantastic Four relationship, the Johnny Ben relationship. And yeah. again, if you that's that's when you bring if you're not going to recruit Ben into the Baxter Institute, that's when you bring him into. The this teleporter scheme when Johnny is recruited so to help start building that rapport it. before they, the thing yeah. happens. What yeah. what version of reality uh, do do they live in where Ben is not the one to stay behind to pound the peg into the the cliff, and Johnny is not the first. Johnny the daredevil is not the first one over the side of the cliff. Right, like Ben is like literally. Like you can tell that Ben is. I mean, Jamie Bell is is more like heavily built than 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 them so like he makes the most sense as the belay guy you know johnny's yeah. clearly out of his mind so he'll just like jump off the cliff with like nothing yeah, yeah. he should be base jumping into that pool of green lava yeah <laughs> so i want i want to go back um because we've talked... to before you watched this movie yes that's exactly <laughs> right i want to go back to before i started this project like five <laughs> years ago it's all um, your fault it is my fault we, we've been, we've been thinking about this movie for a long time um Really no, I, I want to go back to dude, for? dude. You 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 posed this challenge earlier. Uh, how would you pitch a Fantastic Four film? And well, I think we've no, marinated what, in this film. My my uh, my question was: How would you treat the rights to a Fantastic Four film? Because what I would do if I owned the rights to a Fantastic Four them to, to Kevin Feige <laughs> every year. <laughs> he I, would owns produce, them. I would I would uh, farm out a new low budget version of the Fantastic Four produced or, you know, like to, based on a script that, that was like unique or interesting written by another, like someone who had submitted a script, you know, an open like submission for Fantastic Four scripts will make one a year and you're bound to get a million dollar budget. I was going to say $2 million budget uh, because you not you're make bound a movie to get $2 million. Maybe yeah. you can't, <laughs> but I bet you get five guys together in the woods with a bunch of poster board and aluminum foil. I guarantee you're getting a movie for $2 million. <laughs> and at least one of those is going to be a home run. That's going to be like such a, it's going to make the room money. Like <laughs> one, one of those would justify the rest of the project. Yes. And, and you know, you've got to make one every so often in order to keep the rights. That's then, the Blumhouse model. Well, no, they don't have to do that anymore. Disney just flat out owns it. Yeah. Well, I I know, but, but like if I'm it saying, were you. in this, yeah, you know, prior oh, to I this see, I see, event, I see. yeah, yeah. How? I mean, that's not that's not a bad idea. Better <laughs> um, than anything that's come well, up thus far. I'm yeah. telling you, Johnny Storm's Fantastic Four, uh, Fantastic Fast and Furious prequel movie. Is my pitch. 
My pitch is... Uh, the Fast and the Fantastic starring Johnny Storm. My pitch is Ben Grimm tries to make it on Broadway. I love it. He wants to be a song and dance man more than anything. And you can set it in the Depression. So he's he, he's got the James Cagney problem of being pigeonholed as a uh, as a heavy. Yeah, so, and, and he he has to overcome his alcoholism to get back on stage after a particularly embarrassing performance. And the film is called On the Rocks. <laughs> Fair enough. So Reed, in you know, if say Reed were were going to be performing on Broadway, can can Reed physically turn himself into like? multiple bodies like in other words could he form, could his foot could be his own chorus line yeah even, <laughs> not necessarily even split like what if there was just a very kind of that's what i'm saying could his foot or like you know yeah. could yeah. any of his appendages become its own could. yeah i mean i think another another pitch i would have is like to make that whole part with him on the run like a dumb thing like a a oh, yeah. Jason Bourne like I like secret agents are trying to get me sort of movie with a man about a man with those kinds of powers could be really interesting. Jason Bourne, but he can change his face and stretch. My yeah. pitch, my and pitch, be a chorus line. Yes, my pitch is uh, Gilligan's Island. Oh, <laughs> so the four of them are just five. Just Gilligan's Island. Just nothing. Gilligan's five, Island. The five <laughs> so, of them. Is it? Is it those? Characters just on an island, or are they yeah. playing the characters of Gilligan's Island? Or more to the point, is Alan Hale Jr. starring as Reed ben Richards Rick? as Jim Backus? Yep, Jim Backus is Reed Richards. Right. I'm thinking about how I would do this if if it, I'm just thinking way I'm thinking about it is like what now that the the Marvel owns it, I would I would do is have the those four characters actually be. Some of them be astronauts, some of them be scientists, and have the introduce them in an earlier film where like Tony Stark or Captain America needs them to do some nonsense, some blah 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 nonsense with the Infinity Stone, blah blah blah, and have them get their powers in that. Because the power getting is always like the weirdest part of it. Because in the original comics, you know, you have you literally have um, a scientist deciding randomly to bring along his fiance and her her teenage. Uh, brother along on a test flight, which is just weird. So just kind of like bury that in another movie so you don't have to worry about it. And then what I would do is I would actually have um, Victor Von Doom uh, be Sokovian. Uh, uh, Mm -hmm. And then literally have that that, that whole sort of plot line be that he literally, he's like, I'm going to, it's like he's, I'm taking Sokovia back to its roots. I have found an old name. It used to be in medieval times, and I think it works mm-hmm. much better. We shall call this Latveria. And you're I, like, oh uh, fuck, it's actually Doctor Doom. Yeah, I like I, I like the idea I, of them my, having my, different nationalities, and it could basically be like the International Space Station, where ooh, they, like they've all idea. been together on this in this like confined space for so long that. They, they have formed essentially a family unit and like say Sue and Johnny are the only two Americans uh, so they actually they are our brother and sister uh, and Dr. Doom is the one who does not get along with anyone else but they're all working together because they've all been nominated but from their different countries uh, yeah I mean the, I yeah. think the thing we all agree on is that like the and I think Stefan touched on this the family the familiar the fact that this is a family is the 
most important part of the Fantastic Four. Like you know, yeah, I mean, I that always, was the kernel yeah. of when yeah. Stanley created him, wasn't and, and, it? Like, yeah. And so I think I think that is something that you know, to the extent that I have not entirely blocked out the the mid two thousands ones, mm-hmm. like they're goofy as all hell. But like, I did get a feeling like these these people were close to each other. Oh yeah. I actually. I, I, I have one more. I have one those more. Those that bad. They're terrible. The Rise of the Silver Surfer is one of the worst films I've ever seen. I I don't remember. I don't know. Um, you tell me I've seen this movie. I'm not sure. I'm not. I would watch that certain. again before some of the other movies that I, we watched. The only film that I can think of that I would watch that again before that we have watched for this podcast is Sword of the Dark World. I would never watch Sword of the Dark World again. Electra. And what well, you mentioned Thor of the Dark World in our text, and I I, I think that's really apt, but especially because of. The finale, like the reshoot finale, feels yeah. very Thor: The Dark World. It's like, I mean, that's essentially what that's essentially what uh, fucking uh, George Washington Elf's plan is. George Washington uh, Elf. George Washington peanut butter. Dark Elf Washington. Malachite the accursed. that was that was not a that was not a book book. Uh, uh, George Washington Carver joke. Just for the record, uh, I was talking about dark elves as they are dark. Aren't they dark elves? What are they called? They're in, dark elves. Yeah, Yes. I know a lot about the The timing there is very uncomfortable for me. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's fair. Uh, but also, like, I feel like the design of Planet Zero reminds me a lot of like the dark, like desolate desert planet that a bunch of uh, Thor: The Dark World is set on. Arrakis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, planet. Dude, wait a minute! Isn't isn't it isn't there some rule like uh, that every superhero film has to have a scene that is so dark that you're like not able to distinguish what is going on? Isn't that like somewhere in the Bible? I mean, definitely yeah. for the last few years that has been the case, and this movie yeah, definitely it's in, the, se- it's in the secret filmmaker book that we that we all get when we move out here. The one that's written by Mr. Hollywood. Who's yeah. the guy who discovers you on this? Paul I'm, 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 not supposed to, I'm actually not supposed to be telling you about Doc this. Hollywood I'm, I'm going to die the moment I step out because I'm not supposed to be telling you about the. <laughs> we book. just see goons come in from from uh from the door where from Patrick my is and door. Just drag him away. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The front, yeah. Hulk Hogan beats it down the door. Yeah, like we have to explain this to my sister. Who's there? Goons. Hired goons. Hired goons. Hired, Hired goons. goons. You you'd think you'd think that Disney and the other studios would have their own in-house goons, but no, they have to hire them. They freelance. No, oh, yeah, that's well, union rules. <laughs> All right, let's let's, ra- let's wrap this fucker up. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Okay, um, closing thoughts on this our fourth Fantastic Four film, dude. What do you got? Um. So is the is is the actual title of this Fant Four Stick? Fant Four Stick. Who knows? I believe Marvel. that will simply that's, a marketing That's what I got. <laughs> it's, it's, like that, it's like that <laughs> David Fincher film. It's like that David Fincher film. I'll go next. Uh, I was I was disappointed that this film wasn't worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a good fair. Uh, <laughs> or that it, I, I shouldn't put it that way. I, I was disappointed that it wasn't uh, as uh, entertainingly bad. Yes, as I was expecting it to be. You don't feel um, that it lived up to its infamous reputation, right? It didn't, and uh, you know, so so much of this, I really do think, it was colored by you know the whole uh, you know Josh Trank Twitter 
uh, you know, response to the film and, you know, the kind of way that this, the discourses surrounding this film were sort of framed, you know, in news uh, and, you know, in media and stuff. And so I think that that's part of what maybe contributed to its reputation. Um, because I also remember like, the, what, I mean, it was highly anticipated film. Um, and uh, there's something about its trailer too. Like the trailer was a big deal. Like it, it was well received or something. It it was Um, not, it was not presented originally in a way that we like, this was at a point in time. Let's contextualize this in the, the history of our podcast. This was at a point in time when, um, the formula of superhero films was well established and well worn and frankly a little boring like the film we watched before this was Ant-Man yeah, I mean, and Ant-Man with its however good a film it was um, there was a template and this yeah. was seen as one of those films that, oh this is going to break the template but also yeah. but also importantly like it's coming at a time when like ever, like all the companies that own Marvel properties that aren't like in the, the the Disney MCU thing, they're all like madly scrambling. So like we've already been we've already dealt with the uh, Amazing Spider-Man films, which is like Sony's like really half uh, half-assed attempt to try and like get a Spider-Man cinematic universe off the ground. Uh, and um, yeah, like I th- I remember a lot of the discourse surrounding this is like, can Fox pull it off? Can they for, uh, can they make this worthwhile? It was a high for, for context. Venom just came out this weekend, mm-hmm. uh, so that's where we are with and, what has come out or what is not. Sorry, it came out this weekend and made eighty million dollars. All right, I Venom, I'll Venom's probably doing I'll, better. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll, so, I'll see it at some point. I doubt I'll see it in theaters. Yeah. So, you know, in, infamous, I guess, for more for kind of expectations sake than for yeah. what's kind of actually in, in the film and what in the end of the day is just sort of like a poorly edited, poorly paced. Yeah. Know. And but, but, you know, like a lot of those movies that kind of have that like, oh, my God, they had like incredibly fraught production histories. You know, you sit down to watch, you know, cutthroat. Island, and it's like, oh, you know, it's not a good movie, but you know, it's not not the train wreck that I was right. promised. Right. Um, but you also warned about. <laughs> uh, but also, uh, I remembered that I had a point to make about do conference it. room scenes. Yes, oh, do yes. it. So, conference room. Yes. Near the very end of the film, and you know, after the Fantastic Four, uh, or the yet to be named, I, th- I think Four. I know what you're going to say, but I really want to hear you say. It. Have, sa- have saved the world, and they're all they're like negotiating with. It's like, well, you know, what what do you want to sort of stay in business? And they're you know just sort of hashing this out before they go to what is it, Central City? Uh, which is that a assume... Fantastic Four reference? Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right then. Who are the Flash? Yeah, I know. But during, during that entire scene, there's like a giant fucking tray of croissants. Yes! On, on, the, on the conference table. What is. During this whole scene, I could not look away. I'm like, what? It's What's incredibly that? distracting. Were they croissants or Danish? So distracting. What it's, is- like, it's like the set dressers came to work that day and were like, you know, there's nothing that is going to save this film. I'm going to go all out. I'm going to go get that tray from Craft Services and I'm going to put it right here on the table in a place where, you know, the, the camera will be forced to see it. 
And, you know, I don't know if it's they're using a wide angle lens or something, but it's like the, the, <laughs> the biggest fucking tray of croissants I've ever seen in a movie. All right, now, and I have a suggestion for how to improve this scene. So, like, uh, Johnny and Sue and uh, Reed, like, lay down the law, like, this is what we wanted. You're going to fucking give it to us because we're the fucking fantastic fucking four. And, like, the the generals, like, stare them down and then, like, their eyes dart nervously to Ben. And he's just there with the platter eating, (laughs) like, a fistful. (laughs) I was imagining him picking it up slanting it at himself, opening his mouth, and pouring all of the croissants into his no. mouth. <laughs> he, 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 bends, he folds he... the metal tray, yeah, the, the like, giant platter, like a taco, and then he just funnels all of it like right into or, his gaping mouth. Or, or maybe he eats it like a taco. We don't know what the thing <laughs> is. Eats, maybe yeah, he, he eats the metal. <laughs> he throws all the danishes away and just eats the platter. So clearly this was the incentive to get everybody there at 8 a.m., yeah, like, I know. We're going to the meeting. Yes, there will be food. I know. I know. Yes, Calvin, we will have But I promise you, there will be croissants. There will be danishes. This is the last day of reshoots. Just fucking do it. Nick, what I love about that is you were talking about the motivation for this in the real world. I was yes. talking about the motivation for it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That it's just no, another meeting at, 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 you know, at the Pentagon or whatever. And then, yeah, it's like an 8 a.m. meeting. Johnny Storm does not get out of bed for any fewer than three croissants. But also, I love the idea that, like, the actors themselves were, like, so ground down by this process that were like, I just need some carbs and sugar. Give right, me you a know, bear claw or I'm if not coming me, in. Like, they've gotten to that stage of brokenness that grad students know where it's like, there'll be free food. I guess I have to go. <laughs> Thank you for bringing up the croissants. Bester, yes. your, your final thought. Uh, I didn't notice the croissants. Uh, I feel like... <laughs> Uh, the, the one I'm looking over my notes, seeing if there's anything I wanted to, one thing I, I had down here that didn't come up was I, uh, Sue's costume. So everybody is given like a full body other than, uh, Ben, like a full body costume to like control their powers. And I know clearly the Bill's costume department is like, nobody costume. <laughs> yeah. Like clearly, clearly the costuming department got a message was like, this is a sexy lady. She's got to show some skin. So she gets like kicky three quarter, uh, sleeves with gloves yeah and i i don't have an observation there although it'd be kind of cool if like maybe her skin was like that wasn't covered was like phasing in and out and being invisible sometimes yeah that would be cool uh, wouldn't it but, but other than that oh also like her like bubble power like f- bobbing along floating with uh, ben and reed in it is incredibly dumb looking and one of my final notes is just i can't wait for them to get their flying car <laughs> Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, other than that, I think, you know, what Derek was saying about like, yeah, I think my main disappointment was it just wasn't a more entertainingly bad movie. Yeah. Patrick, your thoughts? You're muted. Yeah, can't hear him. Can't no, hear we can't hear all. you. Nope, nothing. If you type it out, we could read it for you. Have you, tra- <laughs> have you tried turning it on and off? Uh, I, I'm hoping this is just a very elaborate pantomime. Now he's got it. Now he's muted himself. Obviously. Yeah, I can see the mute. Uh-huh. See yeah. the mute on Google. He's Demute off. yourself, man. Oh, we, you got to make sure the mic and the Google 
Hangouts are unmuted because right now the Google Hangouts. Undumb yourself. Yeah. Stop thinking science fairs are a thing. Check, check. Can you? Hey, there we are. All right. There we go. Don't know what happened there. I apologize. Anyway, um, I so I watched this this afternoon while I was doing laundry and cooking pork stew, Um, (laughs) as the director intended it to be watched. (laughs) And the reason I bring up what I was doing when I was watching this movie is that this movie very. I mean, I have ADHD, and I always things struggle to hold my attention. But this one really just like, I think I texted you guys at one point. There's maybe about forty five. There's enough movie story in this movie for like a solid pilot, like a good TV pilot has roughly as much story as this. Like if you like a test pilot, yeah, like a Ben Grimm, like like a Ben Grimm. Um, like there's just. It, it, what's shocking is that this movie clocks in about an hour and forty, which for a big for a, a movie with this budget. Is really short. Yeah, like, that's one of its best points. Yeah, one of yeah. Like I remember, like because I like remembered at like eleven o'clock last night after being reminded through our text like five times that I needed to watch it. That I was like, shit, I still need to watch it, and I was very relieved to discover how short a movie it was. Yeah, like it's very short for a superhero movie, much less for a very very large budget movie. Mm-hmm. At the same time, despite that, I feel like there's even less story than is in its already very short runtime. Um, and I just sort of, I, I, I didn't like hate this movie. You know, it wasn't as entertainingly aggressively bad. There's some really bad parts in it. Don't get me wrong. And we, we've touched on a lot of them. It just felt like there wasn't a lot there for like a lot of it. Like I just sort of felt like I, somehow it was an hour and a half later. And yet I somehow felt like I'd watched maybe about 40 minutes. Like there's just, there just isn't, there's not a lot here. Yeah. Like shockingly little here. Yeah. It didn't really, it didn't leave much of an impact on me at all. Like, I just sort of, like, I joked when I signed on, you know, well, we watched a movie, and that's kind of how I felt about it. It's like, well, that was a movie. Yes, it was a movie. Yeah, I It don't, still I don't, is, some would say. I, I don't have any opinions on it. It exists. Yeah. Like, it just it seems to exist for me, and I thought, well, yeah. I like most of these actors. That's a shame. Yeah. Yeah, I guess my, my final thought would kind of echo that sentiment uh i I was wrestling with myself when it was over just the idea of was this a worse film than fantastic four rise of the silver surfer and the the difference that i was trying to mull over in my head was fantastic four rise of the silver surfer was a film i actively hated when it was Mm. done yeah whereas this was an utterly boring film that made no impact on me i and I guess if you if you put a gun to my head, I would watch this again before Rise of the Silver Surfer, if only because at the end of this, I wouldn't feel anything. I would not have been negatively impacted except for loss of time. Whereas yeah. Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer, if I watched that again, it would ruin my day. <laughs> um, yeah. Although, again, I would say, like, there's, there's, like, three or four, like, ideas that don't get fleshed out enough that like i think are interesting enough that like i feel like those are going to stick with me and for me that's like them stuck in area 57 like the body horror Uh like uh version of this the 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 born identity uh reed richards movie and like um uh dr doom's canada escape from uh, area 57 like those are the three like and each of those is only like a very short scene that feels like it should be much longer, but isn't. I kind of liked um, Reed and Ben as kids. 
like the the sort of Steven Spielberg version of that I thought was kind of interesting like if yeah. you really wanted to kind of play up the idea that these two have known each other forever and they are like yeah, old, and could, old friends. Again, you could do more with that. And again, the fact that Ben disappears for, it's got to be a half hour of this movie, is absurd to me. Like, no, there, there's... He, he, and, he and Reed should be inseparable. And the fact that they bring him in in this ridiculous let's get drunk and badmouth Neil Armstrong scene is so weird to me. Why is this movie anti-astronaut? I don't Who know. Who is anti-astronaut? It's not anti-astronaut. It's anti-NASA. Mm, <laughs> yeah, no, they, like, they love Yuri Gagarin. Victor Von Doom. <laughs> Victor actually has a weird line where he's like, oh, you're going to bring in NASA, huh? So the CIA and the NSA are just around the corner. I'm like... What? <laughs> as far as I'm aware, those are the, the NASA doesn't talk to the CIA very much. Yeah. Well, uh, they don't need to because the CIA. No, that's the NSA. Sorry, that's always listening. Yeah. Um, well, they're uh, all did, always. Did we mention that dude. that this is uh, Tim Blake Nelson's second Marvel film? Yeah, because he was uh, Samuel Stearns in The Incredible Hulk. Is that the Abomination? Uh, yes. No, or no, not the Abomination. Leader. The leader. Yeah, the leader. The that's leader. it. I always. Yep. I always do that. I yep. liked and him, it's... Blake Nelson. I liked him in everything I've ever seen him in. Yeah. He's a great character. I, re- actor. I he remember is. him. He's, he's being... one of the best parts of this movie. I remember him being in that Hulk movie. I don't like. What is his role? Is he the one who makes the abomination? No, he's yes. the. Yeah. No, no he. he uh, yeah, he is, actually. Yeah. He's, he's not the first guy yeah. who. He's the guy who replicates the blood and then he takes it and his brain gets huge. Yeah. Or he's it, the, he's yeah. like the NYU guy um, who. He's like I... the scientist that temporarily cures Banner. Okay, his head gets huge. Is that a thing? Yeah, yeah. In the movie, you could see it start to get huge in the movie because he was clearly being set up for a sequel that didn't happen. Yeah, he's uh, in, in, not in, yet. MCU canon has basically said that he is. Um, he right after that, the um, Black Widow found him, knocked him out, and he's currently on lockdown and wherever Shield keeps its weirdos. Hmm. Sweet. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Good to know. Mm-hmm. What's next? So next up, uh, we we have another in film five, uh, again five. in five months. Yes, in keeping with the spirit of um, being in a period of time where these films start to try to break away from the tone or the template that had been established in the previous decade. Uh, our next film Deadpool. is Deadpool. Hey. Oh, All right. that's what I was thinking. Yeah. I, okay. I'm looking forward to that. I've only seen it once, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, hopefully, it holds up. It's very good. Um, not to spoil the review or anything like that. Well, um, I am a contrarian. You don't know. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah. So that is, uh, that I say this, uh, at least I'm sure we'll have to do this again someday. But at least for the foreseeable future, we don't have to watch any more fucking Fantastic Four <laughs> films. Yeah. Do we have any other, like big stinkers on the horizon i was thinking about that let me pull up the list like i've heard bad things about apocalypse i've heard apocalypse isn't very good but i I, I doubt i've heard i've heard it's terrible like i've heard i know people who actually enjoy apocalypse like what i've heard is mostly that it's it's watchable it's it's not a great but it's it's and i would say you know with the exception of last stand i would say you know that's about the 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 floor on x-men movies most of them are Pretty watchable. A couple of them are pretty okay. Yeah, I, I feel bad saying this. We don't have any stinkers left yet. Now, any of the films that have not been released yet could be stinkers. But Venom, we don't know. 
We've got Deadpool, I mean, I, I, Civil I War, X Men Apocalypse, about. Doctor Strange, Logan, Guardians of the Galaxy Two, Thor, uh, Spider Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, uh, Infinity War, Deadpool Two, Ant Man and Wasp, and Venom. Those are the ones that have been released so far. Wow, we, you know, obviously if we yeah. keep up our current pace, we'll never catch up. But you know, <laughs> if we actually start doing this again, we're we're within we're within sight of it. We're, yep. Yeah. Like, how many was that? That was only, like, what, eight or nine? It's uh, 11, I think. 11? Yeah, if we did this once a month, we actually did this once a month, we could, like, wrap up. We could be caught up. Yeah, if we could do this once a month, we could be caught up in time for, I don't know, actually. No, (laughs) there are five Marvel films scheduled to come out next year. Captain Marvel, an untitled Avengers film, Dark Phoenix, a Spider-Man sequel, and The New Mutants. 